You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network as we continue our ongoing coverage of Australian Survivor Season 4 or Season 2, depending on what way you're playing at home. As always, we call this Season 4, so we're going to keep up with our uh, little trick there as we move on to another two big episodes. It's been another entertaining week. And as always, you might like to hear my voice talk about Survivor, but I know if I was you, you wouldn't really want that because you want to hear an expert talk about Survivor. And what better way to do that than getting somebody, of course, who was on the show. And this week, it is a big pleasure to be able to be joined for the very first time here on the Oz Network, a competitor from Season 3, or last season, uh, Channel 10, Season 1 of Channel 10's version. Still gets very <laughs> confusing. We'll get there eventually. Uh, it's Kylie Evans. Kylie, welcome to the Oz Network. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me here. It's uh, yeah, it's a it's a privilege to be here, and I'm looking forward to uh, having a bit of a chat. Now, I, I I always kind of like to sort of talk about connections and how things come about, and a lot of the time, generally, we get people on the show. We'll reach out to people on social media, and obviously, you know, ask the question, "Would you like to come on?" and kind of form a form a connection that way. But you and I sort of got connected in a, in a strange way in some aspect. Uh, we actually got connected by a very good friend of mine and Survivor Marquesas contestant, John Carroll, who randomly, I checked my Instagram one time and I've got this message from John saying, Kylie meet Ben, Ben meet Kylie. It seemed like a very weird sort of way to be connected. And I, at the time I messaged you, I was literally watching your season because I said to you, I'm just looking at you on my TV screen right now. So how, how, did, how did this meeting with John come about? Did John message you? Did you message John? I mean, that seemed like a very weird connection. I know. It's, it's fantastic, isn't it? The, the, the Survivor family is not just an Australian thing. So there's this amazing experience we get to have when we get to, you know, live this dream and play the game. But it becomes bigger than that when you come home because those connections and those experiences are shared by people all around the world and especially, obviously, the stronghold being America. And the Survivor family reaches out to you in so many different ways and you create friends for life who, some of them, John Carroll, I've never even met in person. And yet, remarkably, we have incredible conversations, amazing connections. Um, Yeah, and my girls have written... Uh, and drawn some beautiful letters to, unfortunately, his sister is is suffering um, dramatically at the moment. And, and my girls got really upset hearing about it and, you know, sent her some pictures. And it's just amazing the, the connections you have and the opportunities you have then to be a part of people's lives forever all because of this incredible Survivor family. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Just I love these sort of random connections because... I mean, I, I found I find with a lot of the US people in terms of uh, the fans. Obviously, a lot of the American Survivor fans are, are watching our version, and there there are plenty of Australian, uh, sorry, American Survivor contestants who are watching the Australian version too. And I had a bit of a conversation with John after that. I'm like, so are you watching Australian Survivor? Maybe we can get you on the show, you know, to give your views on the Australian one. And he's like. Oh, how do I watch it? And it's like, oh, where, where can I see it? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, if you catch up. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to kind of, to, to have those connections. And John, great guy. And obviously, yeah, we definitely pass on our well wishes, uh, at the moment to his, his sister, obviously, as she's, uh, battling. I did meet one of his sisters. I'm not sure if it was, um, I forget her name, but uh, I, I actually spent Thanksgiving with John last year. So, uh, had a great time with him in Nebraska. I'm literally wearing my Nebraska hoodie, actually, as we speak right now, that John bought for me. So um, that was kind of a, a interesting connection. I just realised I was wearing that top. But um, 
Kylie, I've got to talk about this season of Survivor, of course. Uh, I always start off by the generic question, and that, of course, is how how are you feeling about this season? Are you, are you enjoying this season uh, at, up to this point at the moment? Oh, I am loving it, and I think that not just because of the basics of the show being alive and Australian Survivor staying alive and, and hopefully gaining legs through the growing seasons, but it's a completely different experience being able to sit back in the comfort of your own home with a full belly and a good night's sleep and loved ones around you and still be connected to the feelings of what people are going through in this game. Uh, And I have to say, I think Australian Survivor has really stepped it up this year. I think the quality of the challenges has been epic. Uh, I think that um, the evolution of their game is showing such great promise and I think their casting has been very interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting with the cast because I I was very critical of this cast pre-season thinking I wasn't a big fan of it, but I was just having a conversation with somebody today about this saying that, like, I take that back. I think the cast definitely is, uh, has come out really, really well this season. And it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it, to, to read a cast on a piece of paper and see a few videos and think, eh, this is really, you know, sure. But as soon as you see what is happening, because, I mean, clearly... You know, you look at some of the people out there, and obviously we'll talk about the likes of AK, who obviously uh, went this week. You know, people like Luke, uh, you know, just all these people that we're seeing are just larger-than-life personalities. And not that your season didn't have them, but I feel like we've we've kind of got a few more emerging this season, particularly to this point compared to what we had on your season. Yeah, I'm loving, you know... Sunday night episode when we had that drop your buffs moment and the random tribe swap and the random pick and just how that creates that tumultuous emotional reactiveness and then brings players to the fore rather than having, you know, players be able to sit back and just hide in the majority and and carry within those sort of elements of the game. They're now stepping up, having to find their feet and, you know, fight to hold on to numbers and find different alliances and find different connections. And I think that's really important to those characteristics of people really emerging and and us being able to see more elements of the depth of their personalities as they come to play this game. It's something I always like to, to find out from people who were on the previous season compared to, say, the one that we're watching now. We used to do this a lot with the US guys when we were on the show, and obviously I'm finding a little bit this way now when we've had Des on last week and uh, Evan on a few weeks ago too in terms of do you find yourself watching this differently now that you've obviously played this game compared to what you would have watched this show in before you got to play the game? Absolutely, and I don't think you cannot. I think once you've been in that environment, you've been out on the island and you've, you know, suffered through those deprivations and, you know, moments. I think everything changes about the energies around the way you do watch and interpret and what you feel for the players that are out there. There's a lot more empathy. There's also a lot of, you know, if that was me in that moment, would have, could have, should have, or, or you know, it's, it's a different attitude, I think, absolutely. And I think also, too, given that we've had, uh, you know, the non-elimination twists this season, of course, similar to what you had. I mean, I guess there's a lot more comparable for you to be able to watch this season compared to, say, the next US season that came after yours because, I mean, they don't obviously have the non-elimination. So you're obviously going to be able to see these ones and go, oh, look, I relate to that. That twist, you know, helped me or that twist, you know, didn't help me. And, you know, I saw a lot of sort of AK's uh, interviews post-game where he's mentioning about, you know, how, like, oh, if this hadn't happened, this. And it's, it's often as a case with a lot of Survivor, with even in the US, when a twist can, you know, really help or, or you know, go against your game. 
game. But obviously with our version, we have these non-elimination ones, so you can, I guess, yeah, relate a little bit more to that compared to what you're seeing on the US one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And there are so many parallels from this year to last year, but what's great is seeing the way, you know, people step up into those spaces and don't necessarily feel sorry for themselves based on the circumstance of the situation. Instead, they have to take a step back and get that perspective on how they're going to make it work in their favour. And classic was Michelle. Mm, yeah, that it's it's such interesting with the, the, the two people who left this week because you have, you and like we'll relate Michelle into that obviously with, with the Ben vote out, but you look at AK who, you know, arguably the, the biggest game player of this season, you know, just going out there, started off guns blazing, really kind of toned down his game and then really just was on top of everything. He was just, you know, absolutely gunning for it out there. And then on the flip side, you got poor old Ben who was just the butt of all jokes for the first, you know, three weeks because we didn't see the guy. Um, and then kind of finally when we see him, it's like, oh, we're seeing you because you're going home tonight. So it was kind of like the polar opposites in terms of the two people who kind of went this week. And then, like, as you sort of mentioned, like, with, with Michelle sort of coming out strong after the Ben vote, you know, she's worked away from the bottom after the swap to really kind of turn this into her favour. And then I looked that over, of course, uh, on a Asanga with Luke, who... I spent the first few weeks just calling this guy a dickhead and saying, like, what the hell? Who is this guy? Like, what on earth? And now all of a sudden, as I think we talked a little bit last week, it's like he's found himself power. And now all of a sudden he's making these moves and I can't help not respect Luke for what he's doing. So it's interesting how these episodes kind of paralleled each other, isn't it, with the vote outs, but also how you kind of got these people emerging from these tribal councils as all of a sudden there's these power players on different sides of the tribes. Absolutely. And it's great to see those elements you know, coming to the fore with the edit too. And I think that's what's lost or lacking a lot in those early episodes is there are so many participants, there are so many castaways out there that we can't possibly see, you know, every part of what they think and how they strategize or how they would take control or want to own their game or what they're thinking about how they're going to move. There's no way we can be privy to all that information with the limited time that we get, you know, for screen time. For an episode, so you've got your challenges, you've got your reward challenges and your elimination challenges, you've got your tribal council, you need to evolve the characters somehow and primarily we're going to see the crux of the story of where it creates drama and emotion and all that stuff that you know excites us or angers us or draws our emotion in as viewers from home. So players like Ben who might not be a part of necessarily you know the hot points early on um, you know, do get lost a little bit in the background. So that that's a shame for, you know, the, the situation early on. But at this point in the game, it's abs- absolutely fantastic for us as viewers to see these players emerge and evolve and grow and be shown, you know, as who they really are. Do, do you feel, though, that with your season, given it was three tribes, that it was at least a little bit more evenly spread? Because I, I kind of feel throughout your early parts of your season, we got to know all of you a little bit better. I, I mean, I don't want to kind of get into a big big debate about or a conversation in terms of the editing because that's a, another episode in itself. But I, I just feel there's a lot more of the invisible players this season compared to your season. Because, I mean, you, you look at kind of, you know, even sort of when you're starting off in Sanapu there, like, you know, with yourself, with Flick, with, with Matt, with Sam, you know, even, you know, someone like, uh, um, you know, Peter, who's obviously trying to quit all the time, you know, Bianca, who I kind of jokingly saying, like, was Bianca even on that season? But, I mean, I think back to, like, you know, kind of those early points, and I, I swear we got to know a little bit more about some of your, 
early tribe members compared to what we have on this season. And I guess given that we've got tribes of 12 compared to tribes of eight, I guess it does make that a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I think maybe it's a bit difficult for me to say last year because obviously being in the experience, my recollection and my my moments with it are a bit deeper than just what is shown on TV because I have prior knowledge or prior influence. Um, but this season, I think definitely having 12 people in a tribe is huge. Mm. Uh, and it's probably smart play to be in that middle ground. You know, try and fly under the radar a little bit early on because as long as you don't, you know, antagonise people too much or you're not too much of a dickhead or you don't do something stupid, um, you know, you're probably likely to get through those first couple of tribals. And ultimately, the game is about outlasting. So if there's 12 people there and you're not, you know, the... the crazy horse at the bottom or the one poking the bear too much uh, might not be a you know such a bad way to play early on what I, I think we should mention first in terms of the first episode on Sunday um, I mean obviously we had this I'm going to say it again, ridiculous twist last week. I'm not getting into that. I already uh, spent, you know, three hours last week with Dez complaining about that episode. But uh, obviously the fallout with Ziggy coming back and kind of her explanation to camp. Now, um, I automatically call this the uh, the Nick uh, explanation model, uh, just kind of straight away starts explaining and probably realises, I mean, she she thought she did well. I'm thinking, really? You, you really think you're doing well with explaining what happened there? Um, it was just, it was so fascinating how she just came and explained it. And, you know, of course, AK is going to be the one straight away to be like, hmm, I don't know about this. But everyone else seemed to believe her. I was I was shocked at that, that people seemingly were believing her story. I mean, I thought it was poorly done. I think no matter what Ziggy came back and said, there was going to be someone question her, someone doubt her. True. And no one ever completely believe her. So regardless of what, you know, what, what we see, people, you know, assuming that they're on side with her, there's always going to be that element of doubt. And it was much like the moral dilemma last year. As soon as people know something is afoot, they're going to assume that it's maybe even bigger than what it really is. So no matter what you come back and say, there's always going to be a deeper doubt and an opportunity for people to then, you know, shape their attitude towards you based on the circumstance of that situation. And it's a game that you never truly trust anyone. You never truly believe what people are saying to you. So when someone tells you a story, you know, you're going to look for the fabrication and the lie that could potentially be within it. And how, how would have you done that if, if you were Ziggy and you came back to camp? I mean, what, what do you think your play would have been at that point? Oh, it's an interesting one because without knowing the dynamics, specific dynamics within the relationships, uh, you know, obviously she had to have a story that she could give the entire tribe. And if this is a reward challenge and it's supposed to be a potential reward for everyone, she's got to be able to somehow sell a reward that could work for the tribe. At the same time, she's got to try and protect that reward for herself. So, you know, there's so many ways you could play it and it would probably depend on the nature of your alliance. Uh, and whether you needed to either prove yourself, connect yourself, um, try and get someone to buy into you, uh, or whether you were, you were trying to, you know, protect yourself and lay low a little bit. So, I don't know, I think it would have been a bit smarter to uh, keep that idol hidden for herself and come back with a different story. Yeah, and the thing that seems helpful for Ziggy, and I, I think Ziggy has got a great chance of this game still. I think she's been playing very sort of just behind the scenes slightly and she's, she seems well-liked and I, I think she's not seen as a threat. 
this obviously automatically made her a threat given what happened. But then obviously this switch really helped her because the thing too with this twist was that even the, uh, you know, obviously Asanga also knew that this was in play too. So it's kind of everybody in the game knows that this was there. So it's not something that can be hidden. And so she has to tell something. But this switch happens and all of a sudden it's gone from the talking point and sort of the central part of this episode to, oh no, it doesn't matter. We've had a switch now, so let's focus here. And then Ziggy just all of a sudden seems to get away with it. So I, I think... We, we loosely touched, I feel, last week with Dez. It was kind of like, oh, convenient twists and, you know, all the producers playing here. But I, I will say that, like, this was, I think, very well done. I think this was kind of the smartest way to, to do a twist in terms of a, a switch like this at the exact moment. Because it, it doesn't matter who had have won this. This is a good way of kind of helping that twist kind of get dissolved into another twist and then not automatically be like, Ziggy's back. She's lying to us. We're going to vote her out next. Absolutely. It's interesting I had that conversation or a similar conversation <laughs> when it happened. Uh, I think it was a very smart um, production plan as well. I think um, the, the reward in itself, I'm not so sure I completely agree with, you know, how that worked. Uh, but definitely having the Drop Your Buffs tribe switch pretty much immediately afterwards I think not only did it work in Ziggy's favour, but it worked in the show's favour because something that, you know, was essentially this reward that wasn't necessarily a great reward that put a target on Ziggy's back that then creates this controversy, all of a sudden now people are lost back in their own space because yeah. this vibe switch has happened and people are, aren't so worried about, you know, what does, you know, what does Ziggy have or, or does she have it or what's the real story? They're now like, oh, what about me and where's my game and where are my people and where are my numbers and how am I going to get through the next tribal? And um, the dynamic is different again and I think it was, that was fantastic timing and good planning. Yeah, completely agree. I think I think from all the criticism we might have given Channel 10 last week for that twist, I think they, they, they did very well this week to kind of save themselves from that and, and just move on from it quickly enough and definitely props to Channel 10 for, for the way they handled that. I think they did that very well. Uh, I mean, obviously on your season, you know, there was like 1,700 uh, swaps. Uh, this season we're up to about 1,600 swaps. Um, you know, <laughs> we're up to the third one at the moment. Uh, and obviously, um, Dez was right last week. I think it was Dez who said that he just feels it would just be two tribes and they'll just keep the numbers. I was kind of saying, oh, no, it'll be three tribes or, oh, they'll send the odd, because there's an odd number, they'll send someone off and then they'll join rejoin the tribe. But... Well done, Des. You're a much smarter man than me. I knew that before the uh, episode. We all know that. I mean, Des is just just the smartest man out there, isn't he? Can we can we say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a beer for Des. <laughs> Absolutely. He had a, he had he had a few on the uh, interview last week, so uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll uh, be able to help him out there. But uh, so obviously, uh, with our swap tribes, um, I mean, on a summer it was AK Adet, Peter. Jericho, Tara, Sarah, and Luke. And on Summer Tower, we had uh, Ben, Michelle, Lockie, Henry, Tessa, Jared, Annalise, and Ziggy. So uh, poor old uh, Michelle, uh, obviously on Summer Tower, which we'll, we'll get to her because um, obviously hers is in the second episode. But then obviously we have AK and Tara back with each other. Um, did you know that Tara doesn't like uh, AK at all? Uh, Kyla? I, I, didn't, I never got that at all once this season. <laughs> Yeah, where would that impression come from? <laughs> no, no, just a guess. Uh, I mean, it's it's fun to kind of see them back though together, though, wasn't it? Kind of in the lead up to obviously what would happen because I mean, it, it, Tara's a very 
uh, device, like she, she's not very well liked uh, by the fans on social media. But I mean, it's sometimes it's good to have those types of characters because it's good to have that. I mean, reality TV is always built on conflict. So, you know, the fact that we can kind of have these two back together, uh, you know, I think made for a very good second half of this episode. I think it was fantastic. I think uh, AK and Tara are almost personality profiled not to get along. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they they have so many similarities that they butt heads on certain levels and then they have enough points of difference that they step up to each other as well. So um, it's an interesting dynamic. I think it makes for fantastic reality TV. Um, As Australian viewers, we love to hate people. So, you know, it's, Never fun to be um, the focal point of receiving that. But at the same time, if people are taking notice enough to love to hate you, uh, you know, obviously you're evolving as a character and shaping a place in the memory of the game. So um, I think both of them have definitely made their place (laughs) and, and definitely earned their space on that show. And both of them, you know, no matter what happens in the end, they can both sit back and know that they've thrown everything at this game. They embraced it for what it was worth and they embraced it as themselves the way they wanted to play. And that's never going to be a bad thing for them. And from what I've gathered in seeing some of AK's stuff, it does look as though they're at least on talking terms. I mean, he was kind of mentioning in a few of his things that, you know, he's talked to Tara since. So, uh, obviously, it seems that kind of outside of the game, things are things are fine. Uh, I mean, what, what is your take on Tara in general? Are, are you kind of on the let's all hate Tara bandwagon? Do you, do you think there's a lot more to her or you kind of don't really have that much of an opinion on her either way? Yeah, it's like you said earlier, it's... It's interesting, having come from a space of being in the game, I watch it differently. So rather than just, you know, just having an opinion based on how these characters on the screen make me feel through the actions that we see, uh, you know, it's multifaceted now. So, you know, I, I understand who she is in real life and how that's different to who you need to present in the game. I watch her thinking, as a viewer at home, I love having her character in this show because she does antagonise so many people on the show, on the screen and in social media. She's a great talking point. She gets people riled up enough that they're going to keep talking about Survivor. And the more people we get talking about Survivor, the more life Survivor's going to have and hopefully the more seasons we have moving forward. So, um, you know, I... There are moments of things that Tara does that I think I would absolutely not necessarily enjoy playing with her, but I love watching her. So yeah, we're so civil and polite, Kylie. I like how you're doing these answers. It's 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 you you be a good politician, I think actually. Uh, I've got a funny story that I'll tell you later. But <laughs> I think I think um, I think Tara is great for the show. I think she is fabulous to watch. Um, I don't think that her and I would probably get along playing on the same side. <laughs> I think the thing that I is probably safe to assume with Tara, she she can't really win this game. I mean, just based on. Not necessarily just her edit, but I just kind of think the way she is with certain people. I mean, we even saw it, was it, in the second episode when she's literally cheering for Lockie and he's on the other tribe. It's kind of like, what, 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 like, I think what you see is what you get with Tara, though. And that's kind of like what we're saying about how she's great for the show. Like, she's fantastic to watch. And this is a thing where it's like, yeah, I can see why people don't necessarily like her. I, I, I haven't necessarily been always glowing with her on, on my comments on her, but I, I'm kind of just, 
I, I take of what she's. I don't hate Tara. I don't love Tara. I just kind of am there with Tara and I'm ju- I enjoy elements of her and she does annoy me too. But I think she is great. I mean, it's kind of like Luke, how I've been so mean to Luke from the get-go. But then it's kind of like, I can't not talk about the fact that Luke is great casting. He's great for TV. And he's really turning his game around. And we'll get to Luke in a minute. But yeah, I just, Tara, I just definitely think is, she's great to watch, I think. And people, whether you hate her or not. And that's the thing. You hate her, you're getting a reaction out of it. And that's perfect casting on reality TV show. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And I think the fact that Tara steps up and owns her own space means that even when she goes home, she won't regret the person she was because she's being true to herself. Exactly. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, The the one thing that I say will kind of annoy me in some aspects with the whole this storyline about AK getting voted, and I'll talk about AK separately. To me, this seemed like Luke's move. Like, I get why kind of they can paint it a little bit as Tara's move because obviously they had this this rivalry and obviously Tara was involved. Tara was, you know, really pushing for AK. But to me, this was Luke. Luke seemed like he was the one who's like, okay, we've got to get rid of this guy. And Luke, to me, is getting underestimated in exact value in that vote. I mean, I got the press release basically after this episode and it was all about Tara takes out her, you know, number one rival. And, it, and I'm not trying to discredit Tara. But I guess if you're analysing kind of the overall move of this, to me, this was Luke. And I have to sit here, I have to say this on this episode after, again, ripping shit so much into this guy. Like, he he really showed that he can play this game. I, I take back kind of saying that he's just there for getting an edit. He's out there to have fun. He's not playing this game. He's purely doing it for TV time. I, I have to completely take that back now because there's no way I can't watch this and not think of him as a serious threat for this game because the thing that Luke is doing so well is it seems that he is this big goofball, larger-than-life, high-and-red cordial character in the confessionals, but when he's out on the beach, he's not necessarily like that and people aren't seeing that. So I think perhaps after Luke, you took out the biggest game player on this show and, yeah, he is, he is a big threat to, to win this now. I don't know what your kind of take has been on Luke since day one, but, I mean, yeah, just just an incredible uh, move that he pu- he pulled off there. Luke, I think, has been underestimated as a player from the get-go, and I think his personality uh, creates that facade that people are going to buy into him socially as, you know, a little bit of larrikin fun, uh, you know, the good camaraderie mate, the one that keeps camp alive with a little bit of positive banter and, uh, you know, there's that humour side that makes people feel good. When you're so deprived, you're sleep deprived, you're food deprived, you're emotionally home connected deprived, um, to have something that makes you feel good in a, in a happy way, you would latch onto it. And in a numbers game that is driven by social circumstance, I think Luke has been playing from day one. But I think he's been very much underestimated because he is an absolutely fabulous bullet loader hmm. and he will set the scene and then he will let someone else pull the trigger for him. Uh, and, you know, if he makes it all the way to that final tribal council, I think he's got great grounds for creating, not just creating his argument, but absolutely substantiating every single one of these little moves that other people have taken credit for where he's actually been the one that's loaded that bullet in the first place. And I kind of think he's almost like the anti-Henry in that Henry comes out and talks big game and 
tries to do these over-the-top moves, which in my opinion are just ridiculous what he's done, and he's just completely dug himself a hole in this game. Whereas Luke kind of has talked up this big game, but he's subtly doing it in a way where he can kind of back up his facts now. And, I mean, you know, the thing that kind of will frustrate me a lot as a Survivor fan is that people will come in there as fans and say, oh, playing Survivor is all about blindsides. It's all about, you know, making big moves. And it's kind of just this, you know, stereotype that fans of the show have. And that's not necessarily how Survivor has to be played all the time. Of course, it can be played that way, but it's not all about that. And I think that, you know, I, I, I kind of had that weird comparison a week or so ago with Luke to someone like Brian Heideck because no one knew what Brian Heideck was really like behind, like in his confessionals. Everybody on Thailand was like, I had no idea he was this cocky SOB who's basically, you know, being so arrogant and up himself and just a real sleaze. Like, we all loved him. And it's kind of like, this is what, uh, you know, we've learnt from a few of these exit interviews that no one knew that Luke was like this. And, you know, he's getting a great edit. Um, he's, you know, his name's only really been thrown around, I think, by AK in this episode. It was kind of like, oh, maybe we should get Luke once he obviously found out he was being targeted. But, um, yeah. Do you, do you think Luke can win? Oh, my gut instinct. That's a tough question because there's part of me that wants someone who's, you know, playing these elements of the game to actually get there at the end and be able to stand up. And I'd love to hear that final trouble counsel if he gets there. That would be amazing. But, there's a part in my gut that thinks that Luke has rubbed some people up the wrong way too much, that he, that antagonistic side of his personality and also the fact that he is a strong performer and he is not a quiet leader. Mm. Um, I, I think those elements are going to count against him and if we look at this season and the type of characters that are getting taken out, I think, unfortunately for Luke's game, I think he is too large a character to actually make it all the way to the end. But, yeah, I could be eating those words. Who knows? <laughs> well, look, I, look I, I, as much as I think he can win, I still will tend to more lean to your viewpoint. I, I, I tweeted out that I think he's being set up for a big blindside. Um, but, I mean, having said that, again, I still can see him winning. I still think a female is going to win this game. We can obviously probably talk about that shortly. But I, I just, I yeah, I, it's just kind of interesting how I feel like my viewpoint has changed so much on this man that I spent the first three or so weeks calling him a dickhead. Um, but, yeah, so props to Luke. AK, though, I mean, what can we say? I mean, a- AK started off... Kind of almost like a tar with the fans, at least. So many people were just so like, oh my God, who is like, he's so annoying. But then he's really come around. I know he still kind of had a lot of people out there who didn't like him, but just you, you can't not give the guy credit for what he did. And I think a lot of people complained maybe a little bit on your season that we didn't really have big gameplay. We didn't have players that were kind of going out there. I think the ones we did maybe went early or the ones who were still in the game just kind of were over, over, underused and I yeah I don't know what I'm trying to say there but I think you kind of think know what I'm trying to say but like AK really like this guy just he he knew what he was doing he was able to read on so many situations even in this episode where all of a sudden it was like oh crap I'm being targeted and just trying to make moves you know I mean I'm going to say he's a lock for an all-star season should Australian Survivor ever do an all-star um, and he is he could compete hand in hand with a lot of the US the big US players I I I have to give all the elements to to AK with 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 his gameplay. I think it was kind of he was never going to win this game. I think based on his edit, but um, I, it's sad to see him go pre-jury. I, I would have at least liked to see him make the jury. I mean, what was your take on AK? Oh, it would have been really interesting to see his jury question. Absolutely, um, AK. Yeah, oh, 
AK is one of those personalities where your opinion is going to be completely based on your emotion in the moment when you see him acting one way or another to a person that you either like or don't like. And that, that's just that's so complicated. That's just got so many elements on it. Because as a viewer, we love watching the antics. We love seeing people blow up at other people. We love seeing people set people up. And we love getting annoyed at people. I get so annoyed or got so annoyed with AK with the laziness around camp and the way he was deliberately pushing Lockie's buttons to get him rolled up. But what fantastic gameplay. Yeah. It works. Do you know what I mean? So Absolutely. As, um, Again, character casting, AK is absolute gold. And I think even the players out there, they might not have enjoyed playing with him, but they would have absolutely adored the fact that he was a part of their season. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of, it's a similar sort of thing like uh, connecting it to your season. I, I, as, a, as a fan of the show, I, I was not a fan of Christy crying her way to the final Tribal Council. However, I can't not say that that wasn't great gameplay because A, it worked, and B, she owned it at Tribal Council. So... How can I not say that as a as a fan of the show, I might not particularly like what she did and it annoyed me, but at the end of the day, she did it, she got to the end and she won. So, I mean, I can't not take away from that 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 was a smart move. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that did get lost in our season a lot was the fact that, um, you know, one tribe had so many successive wins that a lot of the screen time and a lot of the story was usually based around who was going home. So a lot of the edits of the conversations and the, um, you know, the dynamics based around the outwit element of the game and, you know, who's playing who and what are they thinking and how are they strategizing, that's based around, you know, the, the characters that are supposed to be the large and bold movers for that episode. So if you're on a tribe that's constantly winning and not going to tribal council, your story kind of pales into the background except for the elements of where you're playing at the challenges. Um, so a lot of the strategy taken, a lot of the players in our season who have the potential to actually be big strategic players didn't actually get uh, their story shown because there was no need for it. Um, I think what's happened this season that is absolutely fantastic is a couple of these switches and um, you know tribe swaps have actually allowed the numbers to stay fairly even and we're seeing both tribes having to go through you know that tumultuous time pre-tribal where paranoia is rife where um people are kind of scrambling and just absolutely fueled and fed by their fear of being kicked out of the fear of being lied to and can't trust anyone and what if what i think i believe in i'm not going to be able to believe in and it's just this you know nasty chaotic roller coaster that is absolutely fantastic to watch but we're seeing every person and every player on this season go through it so we're seeing a lot more emerge we're seeing a lot more um gameplay at show and we're seeing a lot more strategy information shared with us at home and i think that is just brilliant i i completely agree i definitely agree with that and i think kind of the interesting parallels between this season and your season two is that um if you kind of look to where we were at this point with your season, uh, you know, Craig and Phoebe had just gone home. And, and I would argue two players that had, were so dangerous in the game. And i so sad that they got taken out of that point because how different would it have been. And, and, like, I guess you lived this, so you might obviously be able to give more of an insight of this. The frustrating thing from my perspective as a fan, kind of from this point on, it just turned into, you know, kind of the group of mates that were kind of controlling it with no real sort of strategy. And then it was kind of, you know, the, the Lee L sort of, you know, group that kind of 
took it straight to the end and you know i mean again i'm not trying to disrespect any of their games but it just from a fan's perspective it's kind of it's frustrating to watch that when nothing you're trying to break this but you just can't do it and they're not sort of doing anything really out the over the top whereas this time around i think that yeah we've lost a big person in ak maybe and i saw a lot of comparisons between you know ak and phoebe screwed over by a twist and you know things like that but i i feel we've got more game players left in this and we we don't have these solid solid alliances as much as we did in your season now that things look like they will change up and emerge i feel really is going to throw things up a lot more than it did in your season absolutely and that's really exciting to look forward to i think the the nature of what's been exposed in this season and the changes that have happened and how those alliances and groups have had to adapt and overcome so many different circumstances this time just means when that merge comes it's kind of this there's no real concrete direction that anyone's going to take. Mm-hmm. There's all this, you know, this might happen, that could happen, they, they, you know, should do this, could do this, would do this, who knows? Um, and it's exciting and it's it's so exciting to see that even when a big player like AK gets taken out, there's still so much to be invested in moving forward. Yeah, no, absolutely, completely, completely agree. Uh, I mean, obviously with, with the Ben vote... Um, it's so weird with Ben because, like, we like we joked, oh, we never saw Ben, and you know there was kind of just all these little hidden things about Ben that people are joking about. But I'm kind of sad that Ben went, uh, and not just because he's got a great name, but I mean, it's like what we did see of him was kind of like there were moments there where I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting, and I kind of got the vibe that. You know, because he obviously, he did the swap. He was kind of on the bottom with Henry in a way, but then obviously Michelle comes on. And it was kind of the battle of who's on the bottom and who can kind of turn things into their favour against it. And the sad thing that I think worked against Ben, and maybe this is where I connected with him more so than just the name, is that he seemed kind of like this awkward kid who just could never fit in kind of with the cool clique and he was just trying his best, but he everybody kind of just looked down on him a little bit because he's a bit weird and a bit different. Uh, and you know, particularly Lockie, you know, come on, let, let's be honest. Lockie getting a bit of his, uh, you know, male ego a bit uh, offended by this little weird kid he doesn't quite understand. Um, so I was I was sad to see Ben go. Um, I mean, from what we saw of Ben, did, did what was your take on, on our dearly departed good name person (laughs) earlier look early on i was probably a little bit critical of ben because uh you know through conversations or when he was involved in interactions yeah we didn't see what was happening in his head we didn't get the confessionals from him that sort of pulled us on side where his thought patterns were flowing from or what direction he saw himself taking moving forward um he was never really a big player in the challenges um so it was really hard to find a buy-in to where he would find his fit on the way through um and i think that's a bit sad for him because come last night's episode where we actually see a lot of his character shaped and shown he's quirky and he's got sense of humor that's actually fabulous um and i think he had so much more to offer i think the difference or the point of difference um that actually created his demise was the fact that he didn't have that life experience that gave him the confidence to step up for himself and to stand by his word and not let what he perceived someone else's opinion of him um overall what his opinion of himself was you know if he could find that confidence to stand up and be strong in himself i think he could have fought down the perception that michelle was trying to create about who he might be to these people around him but i also think he's such a survivor fan he's so passionate about being there um you know he's so wanting 
you know, to do justice to the opportunity that he's had, that in that moment he's feeling it all fall apart and that in itself is just crumbling, not just his confidence but his capabilities to think clearly, not get over-adrenalised, um, you know, not feel that pressure breaking him down in that moment and, and it was actually, I found it really hard to watch because I'm like, come on, man, step up, you've got fight in you. You can see, you know, when he left, he's obviously got these thought processes of what he would have said, could have said, should have said, um, but it just didn't find its way out in the right moment in that pressure time. So, um, yeah, look, I think I think um, Ben's had an amazing experience. I think that in itself is going to build his confidence uh, and help take him places that he might not have otherwise been, you know, moving forward in life. And, um, yeah, I think he was fun to have there. To me, it's just it's just a trope of the name Ben. Uh, that's just that's what we're all like, uh, seriously. Um, but yeah, it's um, I agree with everything you said. And like, the, I think I found with Ben is that when he had his arguments in tribal council and when he was trying to save himself, I think he was doing great. He just kind of seemed to lose that confidence. Like the, the initial battle with him and Michelle, I, I think he was the beginning. I, I tweeted out, and people are like, "I'm oh, really, really Ben. What are you watching?" I thought he was owning Michelle at the beginning, but then he kind of just kind of got battered into a corner with her and then she kind of took over. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I think you, you summed it up well. I mean, the guy's only 20 years old too. Like, I mean, let's – like, he was the youngest player in the game. I mean, that is – I couldn't imagine playing Survivor at 20. Uh, I can't imagine playing Survivor at 30. I mean, I'm going to be 31 when I win it next year, but that's another story. Uh, but it's – yeah, it's it's just this guy, he's, that's so young to be able to play a game like this and to be in a social situation. And particularly, like, if you're a little bit awkward, a bit socially awkward. I mean, he's all his pregame stuff was like – oh, maybe I'll flirt, you know, I've never had a girlfriend. You know, like, I mean, he's just kind of gone in there, like, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, I mean, as weird as this sounds, and I never would have thought, I'm saying all this stuff I thought I wouldn't have said like two or three weeks ago, but I would like to see Ben play again to get another shot at this. I, he won't, let's be honest. He's never going to get to play this game again. We didn't see him for seven episodes. So clearly, you know, he's not going to be seen again. But yeah, I just, I would love to see him play again, but I just don't think we will. Yeah, that's... I, I, I think there's sort of a, a shame in that, but I also think that he'll be proud of what he did. I yeah. think for him to have achieved what he did and the fact that we did get to see that character emerge. I mean, there are some people that play the, this game and they get eliminated so early, we never really truly know who they are and they're never going to get a second shot at that first impression. Um, whereas I think Ben was lucky enough to prove, you know, prove to everyone around him, but to prove to himself. Uh, he earned that spot, you know. He got picked for a reason and he was there. He had his bit of fight, like you said. Unfortunately, he did crumble under pressure a little bit, but that in itself is another, you know, learning, life-learning moment. And I, I think he's going to be proud of what he did and happy that he had the opportunity. Well, you mentioned about you sort of going early and not really getting to know you. I mean, I definitely feel that was Bianca in your season. Um, and like, I mean, I'm not here to shit all over Bianca because I liked what we saw of her. I just felt we just didn't see her. And the one thing I just want to sort of quickly turn this into your season that uh, frustrated me. And I remember because I only just rewatched this before um, this came on because I'd only seen the first half of your season. I was away overseas for the second half. So I kind of wanted to catch up. And I remember tweeting out getting so angry with Sanapu, going, why are you voting out Bianca? You've got a guy who wants to quit, and he's a he's going to leave anyway. And I think Matt, like, found my tweet and was kind of like, defend it. And I'm like, dude, like, seriously, like, you, like he would quit anyway. You obviously voted for Peter as well. So you're kind of, I think, on my viewpoint here. Two points on that question. What was there of Bianca that we didn't get to see? And also, are you still pissed off at Sanapu that they just stupidly voted out Bianca when you got a guy who's got to quit? 
Oh, yeah, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> I, I think my jaw dropped to the floor, you know, just I was more blindsided than anyone that night, I think. <laughs> um, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. You've got someone who has said to you that if you don't vote them out, they will be walking out after tribal council. You're going to lose two in a numbers game instead of one. Yep. Um, it just... Uh, it was unfathomable to me, and there are still moments where I'm speechless. Like, just emotionally, I don't understand it. Strategically, I don't understand it. And, you know, obviously what it created in that moment, I'm just like, why would you want to create that this early in the game when you're supposed to be about forging strong connections and big numbers to get to the merge? And then you can play, your, you know, whatever the power trip little plays are that you want to do to pick people off one by one to get you to the end. That's great. But let's get some numbers to the merge. Yeah. <laughs> That was my whole thing. And I think Matt was trying to, and I'm not trying to diss on Matt here by any standards, but I just loved how Matt was still trying to own it. But like my whole point was exactly what you were saying. It's like, I see it. You saw Bianca as a threat. Fair enough. Like, I get why you're going to target her. But at the end of the day, as you just said, you literally have a guy who's willing to walk out after the vote. You are then going to be down two members in a, in such an early part of this season when you've got three tribes as well. It's all about the numbers, even more so in a regular season of Survivor with that amount of tribes. It it like it, it baffles me so much to this day, even with Matt and everybody trying to defend it. And again, not dissing on Matt, but come on, Matt. You're meant to be a fan of this show. You've got to see some logic in what we're trying to say here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think you, I think you and I are thinking the same. In this, <laughs> we're both not privy to a little bit more information that was at hand. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I still don't understand it. And also, you know, if you've got a unanimous majority number wanting to vote someone out, why not hold on to that until you lose? Why put yourself in the pressure point situation that you're taking that person out and losing another number now? So the next time you lose, you're going to have to turn on each other anyway. Yep, yep. And, I mean, Bianca, like, I feel we didn't get to know. I mean, you obviously were on her side. I mean, what? I mean, how would have she gone in the game in terms of everyone thinking she's a threat? So clearly people are thinking, hey, she's a threat. She had a chance. I mean, did she? would she have done a lot better, do you feel, had that vote not had happened and Peter had gone rightfully so at that point? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, there are so many twists and slants in the games that, you know, could have made everything so completely different. But you can't let yourself think about those because you can't change it. It just is what it is. And, um, yeah, trying to understand where they were at looking at Bianca is difficult because they didn't even know she was a a private investigator at that stage. She told everyone she was in insurance, um, you know, that she loved her cats and that she... (laughs) Um, you know, was passionate. Her sister was having a baby, you know, very simple stuff and nothing that would, you know, I suppose, you know, want you to, you know, target her for this massive blindside early. Um, but Connor um, stepping up to Brooklyn Flick and, and sort of planting the seed that Bianca was suggesting that they might be a better target to focus on, um, you know, for a second vote, everything in this game breeds insecurities um, you, you, you sit in so much negative energy and paranoia constantly that if you can take out something that's threatening you, it's hopefully going to you know, help you gain a little sense of self-confidence and, and calm in the game. So the only way I can kind of put it together was that they were so scared that she would be able to take them out first 
that they had to get the jump on her at the earliest possible opportunity just to make sure she didn't get in first. So uh, maybe that's the way it is. We did go into that tribal council thinking that, you know, obviously production knew that Pete wanted to quit. Um, you know, maybe they were going to throw a double elimination at us. So uh, if, if we all voted Pete the first time and then they turned around and said, right, everyone, we're voting again and someone else is going home too, who would you write down? And obviously Bianca was rolling for, for Flick or Brooke and so they've taken her out. That's a that's an interesting way of looking at it, actually. I didn't think about it that way. But, um, yeah, wow. Anyway, that's a, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, Michelle, look, I'm just going <laughs> to... Michelle... She frustrates me as a viewer because she seems to like to talk about herself a little bit, um, which kind of is... I, I, I um, make sure people next time they're watching the show play a drinking game. Every time Michelle utters the word I or me, you'll be drunk quite quickly. Uh, but that's not to take away from Michelle. Uh, I mean, she definitely did amazing to get herself off the bottom after this switch to then somehow pulling this move off. And then if we're to believe what the uh, the preview for next week is showing, that all of a sudden it's like she's going to be going out there still guns blazing. Um, I mean, it's 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 a big move, but do you think she can, she can keep moving forward with this or do you feel this is kind of one of these players who gets a big move, we're looking at a preview and it's kind of a bit of a red herring and it's more of a case that she's going to be similar to what I was saying with Luke, maybe set up for a, for a blind side at some point? Oh, um, oh, look, Michelle's the sort of character that I didn't have an immediate affinity with. Michelle openly and honestly says she loves getting her nails done, she loves having her hair done, she loves frocking up, and that's probably everything that I'm not. And it's not to say that I don't enjoy those moments, but I'm a bit more of a you know an adventurer, a, a physically active person than um, probably less interested in, in mirrors than I am with you know getting out there and getting sweaty and dirty. You're not hanging on Cronulla Beach, hanging out with water polo players, basically. <laughs> Um, but that's just, you know, the basic nature of, of a person and being. For Michelle, to have Michelle on the show and to see what she created last night, that was fantastic viewing. You know, she is the ultimate underdog in that situation and she had the nous not to get overwhelmed by um, the emotion, the stress and the challenge that she was under. She, you know, had, had it within her to keep herself together to create opportunities to set goals and to know what the stepping stones were that she needed to uh, work through to get to that point where she was safe at Tribal Council and she wasn't scared of twisting and turning and, um, you know, hitting dead ends and moving on and finding another way through. She was there to fight. She had direction. She had confidence uh, and she definitely believed in herself that she could make it happen and I've got to give her credit for that. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think probably a few people thought my tweets were a little bit negative and I absolutely hated her last night. I didn't. I was probably just being a bit of a dick because I wanted Ben to stay. But, like, yeah, I can't um, I can't not give Michelle props for what she did as well. So, for sure. The one thing, actually, that, that confused me, and uh, we didn't have time to sort of put this to Ben this morning in his um, exit interview with us, but if you actually, the vote, Lockie voted for Michelle and... Did I miss something there? Did we? Did because uh, I thought Lockie was on Michelle's side, but why did he vote for her? I don't. I don't know if I missed something with that. Yeah, look, from what I could gather, um, when everything kind of started blowing up, it was my understanding that through through the communications that were happening around um, the tribal council moments, I think they were splitting the vote. So right. I think 
that as a majority, they were working out whether they were going to weight the majority of votes against Ben or against Michelle, but either way, they were going to split the vote just in case there was an idol. Okay. So they, uh, this is just a guess. This is me from the outside thinking they're playing smart, they've got the numbers, surely they're going to split the vote, but they're going to weight the majority to where they want it to be. But having said that, I think they were crazy to take Ben out over Michelle. You know, they, they feel that they can't trust him, but she's ultimately shown them how good she is at scheming, at reading people, at playing people, at tapping in deep and hitting those, you know, pressure point buttons that really drive people. She's shown that she can change people's opinions at tribal council yep. and shown that she's a danger. She's got connections on the other side. She openly admitted it. Yep. So why would you keep someone like that over someone who now feels guilty about having been disloyal to you just through a conversation. Completely I just... agree. Completely <laughs> agree. And that was kind of the, the, it was like the opposite on, on Sunday night's episode where as much as we're all as AK fans wanting him to stay, you're kind of like, well, the logical sense is you should take out AK at this point where I've got the opportunity. That's and cool. um, they did. And yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. And, it's and it's interesting to this close to a merge because um, I know they've just had a switch and they're probably not thinking merge, but I mean we're down to what now fourteen people are we not? Um, so I think that um, you know we, they've got to realistically be thinking about it because again with um, yourself uh, your season it was around about this time last year where obviously that happened as well. Uh, we're down to thirteen people by the way I can count, um, but uh, yeah, so we're right on the verge of a merge, right on the verge of a merge. Uh, and do you really want Michelle? kind of hanging around there too I mean I know you're going to have a whole bunch of things at play but um, you know this is kind of still factoring into the thing that I still think a female is going to win this um, my winner's pick was Annalise which wasn't looking good for a while but now hey it's kind of maybe there she's got an idol I mean everyone's telling each other they've got idols in this this time around um, but I mean yeah I, I, I think it's an interesting choice to keep Michelle at this point I think you're right yeah I think it's Oh, I still don't understand why they would choose that, especially, like you said, on the cusp of a merge. Um, and also, from what we could see from Ben's personality, you could feel the guilt almost seeping out of him as Michelle divulged that information. Yeah. Uh, and someone feeling guilty and disloyal in a game that almost, you know, it challenges you to defy loyalty anyway. Um, I think he would be much more valuable to keep around than someone dangerous and manipulative, but uh, I think it's going to be much more fun watching Michelle, so that's all right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But the other thing that did come out um, through that episode was uh, Jared. Yeah. What's your take on Jared? I am really excited about watching Jared. Jared was actually one of my early, you know, want to see go fars. Um, and I think last night saw the thinker in him, the strategist in him, and the guy that deeply knows this game and has perspective mm -hmm. on where he's going in this game. We saw a lot more of that last night. And I, I hope we continue to see that. And I hope... Um, I hope those thoughts start to produce a lot more dynamic action in him because I think he's going to be just incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. I kind of think Jared and Peter to me are in very similar spots, but I, would, I think Jared's more likely because, I mean, Peter kind of, he's being targeted every now and then, isn't he, kind of his association in terms of his alliances, whereas Jared's kind of, he's not really, from what we can tell, that tied into anything, is he? So he can kind of 
go around a little bit more. He kind of almost is like a Christie in some aspects that he's kind of just going to be there while everybody else falls around them. And then he's going to be there to kind of own up to what he did. And I'm not necessarily saying that's how he's playing. It's just kind of from what we're seeing at this point. Because, I mean, there was obviously a large portion of your middle part of your season where Christie's just really not shown. Um, Whereas, like, Jared for a long period has not really been shown, has he? And he's kind of getting a little bit more going into this now. So, yeah, he's definitely an interesting character and a contestant to see kind of what he's going to to do with this moving forward particularly merge time yeah yeah and i think now that we're seeing that you know that that thinker is is you know sitting and waiting i'm just i'm hoping it's like you know that lion ready to pounce so um yeah it's it's interesting watching early interpretations of people uh, and seeing how them in the dynamic changes and it challenges what you thought of them as they emerge. So I think if Jared makes the merge, I think we're going to start to see some um, bigger plays and, and bigger talk as well. I think, I think it, um, it was Des or was it, um, I think it was Des last week was talking about it, that, that sort of you're going to have these alpha males kind of really coming up against each other come emerge too. You know, you're going to have your, your Lukes and your Lockies and your Henrys kind of all, you know, jostling for position. And it's it's kind of going to be interesting to see the, the fallout with that. It might not necessarily happen. Um, I mean, before we sort of get to some listener questions and obviously um, go through a little bit of that as well in our ratings, just kind of on some of the other players though quickly that we maybe haven't talked about, just, you know, some loose opinions of them, I guess, moving forward. Um, one that I still think is very much worth keeping an eye on because I think she's playing a great game and I think that she's getting enough airtime that can kind of focus on perhaps that she could be a winner of this game. Sarah. I think Sarah's doing great. I think Sarah's kind of like the anti-Michelle in the fact that she's playing kind of similar, but she's not as in-your-face as Michelle and she's kind of just going about it the way she is. And we obviously saw that whole situation a week ago with her and Annalise and the whole idol and she's just kind of... She's just there and thereabouts enough that I feel that she could go deep into this game. I mean, what's your take on Sarah? Yeah, it was interesting. As soon as you started describing before you gave her name, straight away I knew you were talking about Sarah. <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting, uh, interestingly enough, early, early in the season, I, I was just, oh, I had high hopes for her because she talked about how well she knew the game and, you know, we saw the, the intros coming into the season talking about how she was going to be a player and then we didn't really see much about... Um, you know, her attitudes or opinions or interpretations of the game for a little while. But Sarah is really, really smart. She definitely knows this game. She knows the value of the social game. Um, I mentioned earlier that I think Luke's a bit of a bullet loader. I think Sarah is a seed planter. So ah. Luke, Luke's willing just to, you know, load the bullet, have someone pull the trigger and, you know, have a, you know this amazingly spectacular um, eruption from it. Whereas I think Sarah plants seeds with people and I think she does it really well. She plants seeds to create relationships that will take root and develop over time. She plants seeds that will then, um, you know, potentially be, you know, that uh, weed that destroys other people's relationships. Um, And I think she is incredibly smart and I think she will go far. That's that's, I love the way you describe it. That's great. I love that. Um, Other ones, I mean, Adet, there's not really anything to talk about Adet. I mean, from what we see of Adet, I like her. She's kind of the female Ben. We just don't see her. Um, I mean, she's amazing in challenges. I wish they would show more of her. I think, come individual challenges, I think she's she's got the likelihood that she can dominate this. She's so physically strong and just amazing. But when we get to see Adet, she's great. We just don't get to see her. <laughs> 
absolutely. Adept was one of my pre-season kind of, um, I suppose, self-assimilation likes. I looked at her as going to be a strong female in challenges, not scared to step up and take control if she needed to. Um, someone with a bit of fire and a bit of fight. She's got a great occupation um, that she's obviously worked hard to develop. So she's got the smarts in there and sounds like she knows the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you said, we've seen her with some great alliances and in great pockets of people. So she's obviously got something when it comes to the relationship making and working the dynamic around camp. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. I just hope we see more of her because, you know, it's just such a shame. And that's kind of, again, we're not trying to rip shit into the edit every five seconds here, but I mean, it's just, that's one of the, she's just kind of forgotten on the side. Now that Ben's gone, you know, who knows? Um, I mean, Peter, I sort of touched on him. I mean, he's, he's again, kind of there and thereabouts, but he's, he still seems to be a little bit in the mix for some part, but he's also kind of faded away a little bit. Again, similar to what I said about Adet, I like Peter from when we see him. We just don't see him as much. I mean, anything to add with, with Peter? Yeah, Peter actually looks like a strong physical player as well, but um, we don't see a lot of his attitude and energy to help us automatically assume that he's going to take that strong male role. Um, Yeah, same sort of thing. I think he's got smarts. I think he's got physical capabilities. We're just not seeing a lot of any of his strategy or thought process or the direction that he's going to take moving forward. And uh, having said that, I actually got Pete in our sweep. Ah. So high hopes (laughs) (laughs) what's the reward for the sweep what what have you got on the line for the sweep well well it's all it's all a buy-in and winner takes all Ah. so it's a definite money value not that not that we you know we used to do that on when we were survivor oz we would do that one every year with our our oslets and uh, i think the only time i ever won money was we'd also have money for the first boot and um I think I might have had Rupert during Blood vs. Water from... I No, that was Noah. I had one of the first boots. I might have had So Kim. What was that? Worlds Apart, I think. So, uh, I'm pretty sure I had a first boot at one point. I won, like, my money back plus double or something. like. I don't know. <laughs> so, I've got high hopes, Pete. Get in there and fight. Go on, Pete. Come on. Do it for Kylie. <laughs> I think he's got a lot more to offer. I think same as Odette. There's a lot that we can hope to believe in. Yep. We've just got to wait and see if it comes out. Now, rather than going through everyone, because there's still a few we haven't talked about, the other one I'll just quickly mention here, um, who really has dropped off. She was so prominent early on, obviously because she was really fighting for her survival, but now she's just, just not there. Tessa, what's what's How? happened? Where is she? Did she leave Samoa and we don't know about it? What, what's going on there? She even had to remind Jonathan, didn't she? Yeah, Tessa. she did. <laughs> Um, I loved um, Tessa's fight early on. I thought she was very smart the way she reminded people about the game and how the game is and how the game works and what you need to think about and why you need to not just have this herd mentality and join the flock. You've got to actually know where you stand and not just be in this moment. You've got to be five steps ahead and work your way back. Um, When we heard Tessa talking like that, I had, yeah, she, she really bought me. But... As she's then moved into the majority numbers, we've seen a different side of her come out as well. So, yeah, it's fantastic, this game, how you get to see different facets of people, you know, from moments of confidence, from moments of comfort into those struggling, difficult times where you really feel like an outcast and you're stripped bare and you're criticising yourself because you feel like everyone else is condemning you anyway. Yeah. it's amazing, and we've seen Tessa go through those waves and that roller coaster. So I've still got high hopes for her. 
Um, I think that she's going to still have the potential of being a smart player and to take it further. Um, but, you know, maybe she'll need to sort of be stripped bare again to bring that fight back. Yeah, no, I think I agree with that for sure. And, I mean, yeah, I really hope that we can see a lot more. Because, I, yeah, I really liked her fight. She was so, um, you know, smart in the way she was describing things. And I think kind of just the way she was schooling some of the players early on and that fight she had. So I hope we can see that sort of... Uh, moving forward. Now, again, Kyle, before we get to these ratings and these listener questions, I just one thing I just wanted to quickly point out, one thing that I really noticed in last night's episode, on, on Monday night's episode, props to John O'Lapalia. Um, I think kind of early on in your season, you can see he was trying to really find his feet and early on in tribal councils, you know, he was still just trying his best to kind of get there. But there was a real out-of-body moment I had last night with like a... a thought that he was Jeff Probst. It was when, like, ev- everybody was kind of, like, starting to whisper at Tribal Council. And the way all of a sudden he quickly, like, just stopped in the middle of talking and he's like, what's going on here? They're talking. But, like, just the way he kind of jumped on it, it was amazing. Yeah. So I think we've already mentioned a few times across this season that he's, he's thoroughly improved. But he just took another step last night. And, yeah, he he really has uh, amped up his hosting ability. So big props to John O'Palia last night. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think also the evolution of his questioning is oh, yeah. being fantastic. So instead of just asking a question and letting someone just give him a, a blanketed answer, as we tend to always start with, because you're protecting yourself in this game constantly. Um, I think one thing that Jeff does really well is he does not settle no. for an umbrella answer. Yep. He will strip away the layers and he will dig to the root. He will get to the core of you know, the crux of the information, he will draw emotion out of people. He's happy to push buttons and make people angry or excited or cocky or whatever it takes. He will get them down to their raw basics. And people feed information to Jeff that they probably wouldn't have even said in the confessional. That's amazing skills. Um, what we've seen with Jonathan, I think, is now he's layering those questions. So rather than asking someone a question and getting an answer and moving to the next person for the next question, um, he's now starting to redefine or ask them to redefine, to um, dig a little deeper, to show the importance or the depth of their answer as opposed to just giving an answer. For sure. Um, as he, as he gets better and better at doing this, we're going to get fed more and more at Tribal Council and things are going to become better and better. Absolutely agree. I think just his follow-up ability has just taken a leap tenfold and um, just, you know, huge props to him for that. And uh, yeah, nobody doesn't like Jono anyway. Like even Ben, I love Ben sort of, you know, he's like, oh, I can't believe Jono Lapalli is about to snuff my torch. And like, you know, just real little, I, I love it when you see people like this, like, you know, they just have this real geek out moment, you know, in the American one, they're standing in front of probes and like in this one, it's like, oh, there's John O'Leary standing in front of me. Like, I think, you know, as a fan, I'd be like that. You know, he's not going to stuff my torch, of course, because I'm going to win. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I had that moment. It was like, you know, you go through your life growing up watching Survivor and hoping that on day 39, everyone's going to write your name down. And then on day 39, everyone wrote my name down and it wasn't <laughs> That's a very good point, actually, with you to to bring that up, because let's be honest, you made it to day 39, Kylie. Your name got written down on day 39. The host held your name up, but sadly, not in the way you would have wanted. (laughs) And that moment you get snuffed is, it's so surreal, but it's almost... It's almost something that you don't want to not have experienced as well because it's just, it's a remarkable moment and it's amazing trying to find the words to to fit around what that moment means because it's, it's gutting and it's disappointing and you're kind of numb in a way, I suppose, more than anything else. But it's 
that was the moment that made the experience real for me. Mm. It was like, until then, you, you know, you're kind of, you're living a dream, but you're still living in a dream and things are a bit surreal because you never quite place yourself. You can look at these other 23 contestants and work out exactly why they got cast and why their profile fits. But because of the nature of the environment, I think you just constantly doubt yourself so much that you never really understand why you were chosen to be a part of this until that moment. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> get taken out the whole thing becomes real yeah uh, yeah uh, you know get on the show one day ben just um uh, my, my goal now will be if i ever get on the show is to be the best performing ben on australian survivor so and get more than like two minutes of airtime so i've got two things that can kind of be achieved i think there so um we'll see now uh what we do of course in each one uh episode here kylie as i sort of mentioned to you off air and all our listeners would know is we, we do rate each of the episodes and obviously we've got two to rate and and uh, our rating system, for those of you out there who may not be familiar with it, uh, if you loved the episode, you thought it was amazing, you thought it was the best thing you've ever seen, you will buy the episode. If you think, yeah, look, that was okay, I would, you know, get it out from Blockbuster, because they're apparently still a thing. Video Easy, perhaps. Um, oh. Remember Video Easy? Oh, God, don't we miss Video Easy? Um, or, yeah. or we uh, obviously have our bin it, you hated it. Um, go away, never want to be seen again. So we'll start off with our, this is a Sunday night episode. Uh, what would you do with this episode, Kylie? Would you buy it? Would you rent it? Or would you bin it? Yeah, the AK boot, I would buy that one. I think that episode had elements of everything that as a viewer we need. And if, if all those elements could get fed into every episode, uh, we'd be smashing those uh, viewer records. So I think we had the moments that we love to hate. We have moments where we can see ourselves in that situation and own what we would do and how we would take it. And I think it was explosive. Uh, it was nasty, but it was nice. And I loved it. So I'd buy that one. I am going to agree with you and this is the first time I've bought an episode since the third episode of this season I've either rented rented most of them and been two of them but yeah no I yeah I am with you I, I really like Sunday night's episode I think it kind of had all those elements that made it a great episode of Survivor and the one thing I'll say is that um, for a 90 minute episode it did not feel like it was a 90 minute episode it breezed by and that's what you have an entertaining episode is when you don't even have to look at your clock and go, oh, shit, God, you know, when does uh, when does the Hunger Games... Start? What was on after? Divergent, that's the other one. Um, you know, hurry up, Divergent. I want to see me some Shailene Woodley. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, what about what about Monday night? What did you think of last night's episode? Yeah, look, I liked it. I'd probably put that in the rent category. Um, I liked seeing Michelle step up. I liked seeing some of the... Um, Lesser evolved characters actually speak up and show us some of their characteristics. I like the challenge, uh, but I just don't think it had the bang of what Sunday night had. So, um, yeah, I think it was an important uh, episode. I enjoyed it, but um, I'd put it in the rent category. And I'm going to agree with you again. <laughs> yeah, I think I pretty much everything you said, I completely agree. Um, and, uh, yeah, definitely not one of the, the highest, best episodes, but a lot better than kind of some of the bad ones that obviously we've had there too. So uh, that is that is in the bank. Now, we're going to close this out. We've got some listener questions. And, again, to everybody who sent these in, thank you very much. As always, if you follow us on social media or on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, you will see we generally post on the weekend who we've got upcoming on the show and uh, we'll give you plenty of time to get some listener questions in and... And uh, obviously, we always appreciate everybody sending them in. And of course, sometimes these do get answered throughout our interview, but I will still give you a shout out. 
so that you can feel loved because I don't know what that's like. Um, anyway, uh, Anna is our first one here. Hello, Anna. And now Anna says, this one's sort of more directed to me here. Actually, what I'll do is I'll leave that towards the end because I do actually have a couple of questions which are more directed to me and I'll answer them sort of. Uh, at the end there, so we don't obviously, uh, we don't want to ignore you here, Kylie. We had enough people last week with Dez, like, when are you getting Craig on? When are you getting Craig on? And I'm like, we've got Dez on right now, people. Like, we love Craig, but come on, this is Dez. Um, yeah, but Craig is Craig. Come yeah, well, on. True, true. Yeah, exactly. Good good point. Uh, so we'll come back to your question there, Anna. Loretta uh, says, um, I had a fantastic time at Hearts of Reality this year, where Flick and Phoebe came all the way from your wonderful country. Obviously, if you're unaware, that's obviously in Florida and the US, great charity event uh, featuring a whole bunch of reality stars. Uh, now, Loretta asks, Kylie, any chance you might consider coming to America next year for us American fans of Australian Survivor? Oh, absolutely. And Loretta, I actually had it had everything in my power geared towards trying to get there this year with Flick and Phoebe as well. Um, unfortunately, due to family circumstance, we had a, a nasty start to the year, nearly losing our little two-year-old baby and spending a lot of time in ICU and hospital. Um, so I didn't really want to be out of the country this year away from her, and Hearts of Reality was right over my eldest daughter's birthday. So um, this year, my priority has been to um, you know, be impassioned about really celebrating the life that we do have. Um, and especially showing our girls, you know, how much we value and appreciate that. So my priorities were here back at home this year, but next year is actually, uh, <laughs> next year's my big four zero. So um, I'm looking at, you know, creating an amazing opportunity to step outside of our shores and hopefully help bring some of that greater good. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the thought. And it is definitely on my bucket list, but my to-do plan for 2018, it's um, you know massive wish list item. So fingers crossed. And if I get there, you get the first hug. And then, Kyle, <laughs> just also to, to correct yourself there, don't lie. You're not turning 40. You're turning 21. So um, just wanted to clear that up, right? <laughs> yeah, hardly. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, uh, one, one thing, uh, I mean, I would be, uh, you know, a poor host of this show who got helped start it off by uh, a very good friend of ours, Julian Larson. Another great one that also you might consider attending one time to is uh, Reality Rally, which is a little bit earlier in the year, but uh, on the other side of the country, California, I've had the pleasure of going to Reality Rally and it's also a great event. So just needed to give that a plug as well. They're great, lots of great events. They're all fantastic and obviously all for worthy causes. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's amazing to see so many people get behind such good causes as well. So um, this year we actually, a lot of us from last year's season actually auctioned off um, Skype conversations mm. on eBay and all the proceeds did go to Hearts of Reality. So hopefully we can keep building our support for the event uh, and even better if we can get there, then great. One thing I've always always wanted to do, I mean, I've been doing this sort of show, Survivor, you know, for nearly six years now. It's kind of always been something that I would have loved to have done for an Australian side of things. And I talked to Jillian about like make Hearts of Reality or Reality Rally, like do an international arm of it and sort of come out here and do it. But now that Australian Survivor's here, I mean, it kind of would be almost a thing that we should really get together and do like do some sort of Australian reality big event where you know a couple of days raise some funds do some games because I think you would get a bunch of the Australian guys and not just obviously Survivor you could get those folks from like The Bachelor The Bachelorette The Bloody Block um, you know I'm sure there's some big brother people floating around from the past you know like why not Oh, well, a good friend of yours that I might know <laughs> might have had a conversation with me about setting up something like that. So let's see what happens. Can I just quickly point out, uh, Kylie, I mean, you just, you raise it there. I mean, everything all good in terms of uh, of, of your two-year-old now, everything fine in that department moving forward? 
We, uh, do you know what? We are the lucky ones. So we were told that had we got her to hospital half an hour later than when we did, we would have lost her. So I think for any parent to go through a moment where, uh, you know, your biggest responsibility and greatest hope in the world is, you know, nearly taken from you in those sort of circumstances, it sort of puts everything into perspective, um, definitely helps shape and direct, you know, your goals and your passions moving forward and, um, you know, definitely impassions you to, to make the most of every single day. So we've got one more hurdle to go through with her, but it's a minor one. Uh, and she turns three in October, so we're looking forward to having an amazing celebration, um, you know, thanking all the people that helped us through that time uh, and really celebrating her in life. And um, she's definitely made up for lost time. She's larger than life and definitely seems to have come through the other side with, uh, you know, definitely a, a cheekiness and, and uh, an inspired life force that we love. Good to know. Good to know. And obviously all the best with that one there. Uh, now, Loretta just adds quickly at the end. Uh, she says, by the way, did this podcast used to be the home of Survivor Oz? I only just noticed Ben Waterworth in this Oz network on my feed talking to Des, along with this week's guest being Kylie. If so, I will have to listen again. I miss you guys. Uh, yes, Loretta, we uh, formerly were Survivor Oz. We kind of took a you know a few months off and rebranded ourselves. We now not only just talk about Survivor, we obviously do a lot of other movies and TV shows now too. So we've expanded slightly. But yes, I am the one, the only Ben Waterworth. Actually, I'm not the one, the only. There is another radio host slash journalist called Ben Waterworth. Um, that's a whole other story in itself. He works at the Herald Sun and also on Fox Footy. I always get excited when I turn on uh, Fox Sports and I see that I've produced a great story on somebody in the AFL. I'm like, wow, I've done work in my sleep. I didn't realise that. Um, but uh, yes, now that is me, Loretta. So uh, we miss you too. Thank you for the message. <laughs> now, I'm going to get to this. We usually save this one to last, but she, she's come a bit early this week, actually. We have a long-term listener of this show who, again, to this day, I don't know who she is. Blessed old thing. Her name is Granny Survivor. And uh, as always, I like to generally read this out word for word because this is legitimately what she sends me every week. So bear with me again, Kyla. She's a little bit old, so she kind of waffles on a little bit, but we love her. Uh, she says, Hello, dears. I'm sitting with my granddaughter beside me tonight, sending this week's recap questions my computer has caught a virus and isn't working. Hope Des hasn't sent me one. Just kidding, Des. We've got to get Des uh, her email address because he asked for it last week. Um, and, oh, I will not miss out, dear, on sending in my question this week. So using her tonight's, dears, but she won't leave my site, worrying I will ruin her laptop. Typical millennials. Ben, I really loved your podcast with Des. It was a great three hours. Such a legendary player who has to return to the show again. So very happy, dear, to hear Craig is coming on. Yes, Craig is coming on. Uh, I have a suggestion for you, dear. Next season, I think it would be a fantastic idea to pair an Australian player with an American player for your Survivor recaps. What a treat that sort of crossover would be. Please consider it, dear. Oh, please. I'll just jump in there and quickly say... Um, it's a great idea. I would love to do that. We have um, sort of looked at trying to get one of the American guys on to recap that, as, as obviously we are aware that some of them do watch this. Uh, but we're kind of focusing a little bit on the Aussie guys just because we weren't really here last year during Australian Survivor to kind of focus a lot with the Australians. And obviously we haven't had a lot of Kylie season on. So for the time being, we're obviously focusing a lot more on this uh, the previous season of Australia. We're obviously going way back to season one of Australian Survivor. We've got a few more of them to come, but... I love that idea, Granny Survival. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, she adds, We lost AK Deers. Not that we didn't see it coming. It happened around the same time my beloved Craig went. Okay, Craig. So, typical Deers, we lose big players, but expected, of course. I'm sure there's going to be a question here somewhere, Kylie. Uh, Ziggy should have lied about her advantage differently and just stated that she was given the chance between two options and she picked a loved one's video from home. 
that's actually a good idea. Nobody would hate her for taking the option. Why do players' dears complicate things? All right, here we go. My granddaughter has told me that this week's guest is Kylie from looking at your Facebook page. So naturally, I have my questions for her this week. She just takes about three hours to get to them. All right, question number one. What was your most proudest move on your season that you did, dear? That's that's uh, Granny Survivor saying that, not me. <laughs> oh, it's interesting because there's a couple, but they're different moments that created very, very different outcomes. So, But I think uh, the question sounds like it's more strategic-based. So probably for me... Early on, early on, uh, after the moral dilemma, uh, my tribe has, had assumed that I had an idol. I didn't have an idol. It took me eight days to find that idol. You, you don't see that in the show. You don't see how hard it was, how tough it was, how exhausting it was. It took me eight days. I found it the day before we actually went to tribal council for the, um, the double elimination, which actually turned into a tribe swap. So that day... We were told both tribes were going to tribal council, but for some reason we had all assumed that each tribe would go separately. We'd each vote off someone from our tribe and then the other tribe would do the same thing. So two people going home that night. Um, The situation back at camp had been, obviously, Pete had recently quit. Bianca had been blindsided early and, you know, I was on the outside of where everything was at. Everyone had assumed that I had an idol. Um, So one of two things was going to happen. They were going to vote for me to flush the idol or they were going to vote for me to, um, in their mind, get rid of me with an idol in my pocket. But ultimately, if I didn't have an idol, (laughs) I'd be walking out anyway. Um, I found the idol. And approaching this tribal council, trying to talk to people and question people and find out strategically where people were at, uh, it kind of left me in a really difficult position. You know, are people telling you what they think you want to hear to lull you into a false sense of confidence to, you know, get you walking with an idol in your pocket? Um, Or, you know, what do you do in this situation and how do you find your feet? So going into that tribal council, I thought... There's one way, you know, I could play this idol and be safe and know that I'm going to be here tomorrow. Um, I don't want to leave this game with an idol in my pocket. I would forever regret it. Uh, Easy option is play the idol. But how can I possibly get through this tribal and keep this idol in, in, in my hands? So I thought the best way for me to really get a gauge on where people are at in this tribe is to present it somehow or bring it out somehow during the tribal council. If everyone in the tribe stays calm and confident, they obviously know what they're going to do regardless and whether or not I have this idol in play or not, they know what they're going to do, so I have to play this idol. If they react and um, turn on each other and scramble, then this moment means that ultimately they were going to vote for me, they've now seen that I do have an idol, that I'm going to play it, and they don't have a backup plan. Um, So for me, yeah, I was really proud of that moment when... um, I made that decision and we got the reactions that we did and ultimately Connor was the one that got voted out. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't an elimination night, so it was all for naught and I kind of hindsight wish I hadn't done it. Because <laughs> then the other tribe also saw you had the idol. <laughs> That's the other thing, you know, there's a lot of criticism and condemnation for these moments and the choices that you make in pressure point time critical situations. But looking at it based on the information that I had, the situation at hand, uh, and trying to create the best outcome for me, um, you know, given 
what I had. Uh, I was actually really proud of the decision I made and the reactions that came from it and the way I would have played it going forward. You know, like you said, sometimes luck works for people in this game. Sometimes the twists fall against you. Um, you know, and ultimately it was a bit of a wasted show. But having said that, I think it was a great decision and I'm actually proud I did it. Matt called it the dumbest thing he'd ever seen. And this is coming from a guy who helped vote, not vote out a guy who didn't who would then quit. Um, <laughs> hello, Matt. We, we do love you. What, what was what was that reaction like, though, from social media? I mean, was that something that a lot of the fans were critical on, you kind of wearing that? Were they siding with Matt's comment there, or did you kind of get a few fans out there saying, like, great move, ballsy move? Yeah, do you know, it was, it was actually fantastic because the people who really know the game, who put themselves in your shoes and think about it with the perspective of the game, given, you know, the information you had at hand and, you know, what you were walking into and the outcome it possibly could have created um, were highly supportive and were absolutely just, you know, building that confidence that that decision was the right thing to do at that time. Um, but people are quick to criticise and people love other people to do stupid things. So <laughs> that was definitely highlighted a lot too. But, you know, reflecting back, I wouldn't have changed it because I didn't know what was going to be presented that night. We hadn't had any crazy twists thrown at us before then. Um, it was definitely interesting. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was. It, it, the social media is a very interesting – that's a whole other game itself. Um, Don't have to tell me that. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if, if the game doesn't make you stronger, social media will. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, now, Greatest Wife adds, uh, who were you planning on going to the final four or even three with Dia if you lucked out by winning a few more immunity challenges in a row, Dia? <laughs> uh, oh, look, if you're talking, oh, yeah, it's very different early game, so pre-merge game to merge game. Um, if you look at the people in the merge, look, I would have loved to... I would have loved to go further with Kate and Connor. Um, you know, there's a, a few people in there I would have loved to play deeper with. Flick and I got along really well. Um, but, you know, the nature of the game is you've got to be in with the right place with the right numbers and have, you know, the complete confidences on side. So um, I did, yeah, when Kate got voted out, it was probably my saddest day. Uh, I had tried to convince her to take out Brooke that day rather than targeting Nick, who had an idol and was going to play. <laughs> but you know it didn't go to hand but yeah oh, look I would have I always said I wanted to play a strong game with strong people and really earn my stripes so that I could prove myself and be proud of myself at the end and I would have loved to play deep with Kate Kate was my pre-season pick to win and as always my season picks never win so um, closest I ever got was um, was Kelly Wentworth in uh, in second chances where she was fourth so that's like the furthest I've ever made it um, now uh, Granny Survivor also asks who is your favourite winner from the American version of Survivor? Oh, oh I probably have a few but if I'm talking about favourite favourites I'd, I'd have to say um, Millennials versus Gen X I just love Adam I just think um, you know, having met him as well probably changes things and, and deepens my association and connection. Um, but he's a great advocate for the game. He is a fabulous person. He's got a tremendous story. And I think he played the game really, really well. It was challenging for him and it changed him and he embraced every moment of it and he gave us a great show to watch. So, um, yeah, if it's out of the winner's pick, 
it would be Adam. We we actually have a question related to, to Adam coming up very soon. Uh, Granny Survivor, always a pleasure. Thank you for sending those in. Ruth Marie, uh, she sends in here, I thoroughly enjoyed your podcast last week with Ben and Des. So much facts we got out of him uh, with his pregame story. I was laughing so much. Can't wait to see him on the podcast again. You should pair him with Cat for laughs and not tell the other that they are on. There's a good idea. Um, how long do you think until one of them hung up on me? Uh, <laughs> Oh, do you know what? I don't think either of them would hang up because they want to have the last word. (laughs) I'll just sit back and just let them talk. Good idea. Uh, So, Ruthman asks you, I want to ask, what was your pre-game Ponderosa experience like? And any interactions with any players before the game started? Anything interesting happened at Ponderosa with the jury and that you remember that we obviously didn't get to see online? So, there's a two-part question there. So, uh, you know, what was your pre-game like? And then what was your jury situation like at Ponderosa that we didn't get to see in the online videos? Yeah, wow. Pre-game, I actually had a rough time. Uh, As we boarded the plane, or as I boarded my plane to head to Samoa, I actually got some uh, uh, terrible news that a a friend had been tragically taken. And I I didn't have the opportunity to process that um, or to connect with people to help me process that or to have the communications to actually be a part of that moment. So I found that incredibly challenging. Um, and also, I suppose, stepping away from three young girls. You know, my girls were, um, were uh, oh, how old were they at the time? Six, four, and, or oh, not even, five, three, and one and a half. Wow. So very young kids, and as a extremely passionate and hands-on mum, you know, for me to be so far away with absolutely no contact uh, and a few other things involved that you probably don't want the details of, but, you know, I just stopped breastfeeding, so the hormones that come into play with that as well. Um, I just had an operation on my foot and was in the process of recovering and, you know, questioning myself physically a lot through it too. So pre-game for me was actually quite challenging because you're in isolation and lockdown and you have no interactions with anyone else except for your chaperone, um, you know, who will take you to whatever... um, media stuff that you need to be involved in uh it's a lot of time in your own head before the game's even begun and that's a whole game in itself too so yeah pre-game was challenging um and i think uh three quarters of the cast also uh suffered with some form of food poisoning in that process too so actually put on five kilos you know my buffer zone going into the game and i reckon i lost five kilos that (laughs) way (laughs) <laughs> wow. Did you did you happen to catch up on any um Samoan uh, aerobics on TV? Uh, Des gave us some great uh great viewpoints of Samoan TV in the lead up and one that included seemed the Samoan version of aerobics old style or something. <laughs> no, see I have this I ha- oh, I used to pre survivor I had this thing about being a bit of a rule follower. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I didn't turn my TV on. Oh, wow. There you go. Look at you. You must have been so bored. <laughs> uh, I did have a lot of voice recordings of my girl on my iPod, oh. iPod though, so I might have spent a little bit of time <laughs> just kind of, you know, uh, just just indulging in a, in a little bit of, you know, those self moments. <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, yeah, the, what about the experience in Ponderosa, obviously, from what we maybe didn't see? Was there maybe a particular story you can remember that wasn't shown on the online videos? Oh, jury, yeah, jury Villa for us. So, Jury Villa was, um, well, it's interesting because you're, you're out of the game, but you know your family doesn't know you're out of the game. You still have no contact with home. You have no opportunity to win this game. Um, and then you put in this environment where you're spending time with the people who kicked you out of this game, who, who you know, it, it's interesting. Um, but it's 
fabulous as far as, you know, it's another facet of the game and to have the opportunity to experience that uh, is another amazing experience in itself. Um, Drew Villa also allows you the opportunity to debrief and I think that is so important. So instead of going home with all these emotions and stories kind of storming in your head, you have the opportunity to talk to people about what really happened, not just your version of how you perceived it happened. Um, And that emotional debrief, I think, makes you a lot saner by the time you get home. Um, Yeah, it was interesting. It was definitely... um, the the welcome feasts post-tribal that happened at like 2 or 3 a.m. where you're trying to be excited and energised and, you know, toasting and having, you know, a drink and a, a feed when you probably just want to be sleeping. <laughs> well, you're, you're one of the first jury members too. What, you're the second there. So for you, you're kind of experiencing, oh, God, another one. <laughs> But uh, we did have fun. We had fun learning how to make those um, floral headdresses, the Samoan headdresses, when um, Nick and I decided we were going to be the king and queen of Jury Villa. And <laughs> there's a whole lot of little side stories that we created to fill our time. Um, I was doing boot camps and, and personal training for the chaperones and the contestants that came in. So, you know, we were keeping ourselves busy and entertained and, and you know, sort of finding our own space there as well. So, yeah, it was definitely, again, great to have the opportunity to have this um, multifaceted experience and you know without winning i got to experience pretty much everything else this game has to offer fantastic fantastic thanks ruth marie for those uh questions um richard says kylie you were amazing in your season and greater challenges you're such an inspiring person and i hope you returned for all stars uh and then adds who from this season is most playing like you and who would you most likely work with on this season if you were on it oh it's probably interesting because I don't think I'd play with myself. <laughs> uh, no, I probably would actually. And then I would I would use me to get me through to the merge and then I would cut me as quick as I can. Um, look, I think I'd actually love to play with Henry. Um, and that probably sounds interesting because he's somewhat unpredictable and very egocentric, but I think he's a, a fabulous shield um, he's not scared of being a bold player. He's also a big physical player. Uh, but I love the way he thinks about the game out loud. So I would love to have been able to play with someone who was so willing to divulge their justifications for why they're playing, the way they're playing, and what they see as the next move they want to make so that you have this prediction path for their journey and know where you can find your place in it. Because anything in this game that can give you a small sense of confidence is going to help get you a big step further. So um, I think Henry's personality would work well with um, my thought process and my capabilities, and I think we would have been a bit of a dynamic duo. Having said that, I have been talking about sitting at home saying that I love watching him, but I probably don't know how long I'd manage to get along with playing with him, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> who knows unless you're out there. Thank you, Richard. Uh, now, Mitch, now I'm pretty sure Mitch is the same guy last week who sent me in like 30 different questions all at once. So he sent me in six, but I'm going to go, I'm going to, similar order I did last week with Des, these are going to be quick fire answers because obviously he's got six separate ones here. So there's going to be sort of quick fire, answer these as quickly as you can. So his first question, uh, which actually you've already uh, answered, Said, which is who are you who are you planning on making an alliance with for going forward if you so happen to end up on the vow swapped who are you hoping to work with from the other side so i guess well this is a bit different to the last question i guess isn't it so who are you planning on working with i guess i would have loved to work with kate and craig kate and craig perfect uh have you met post game craig andrew des rowan and cat who you didn't play with in the game yes i've met everyone except barry 
Ah, okay. It's, it's, it's still, I always find it so fascinating with your season, again, the fact that so many of you guys haven't met because there was no reunion and just there's, have you had interactions with Barry? Have you at least sent him a message or said hello? Absolutely. We actually get along and stir each other up really, really well. And that's the beauty <laughs> of, you know, social media opportunities. And, um, yeah, isn't it remarkable to know that you know someone so well and that they know so much about you and yet you've never met? Yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. Uh, similar question to a previous one, but this is a little bit different. Who's your favourite male and female player on American Survivor? So these are players, not just winners. Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, there's just too many. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's hard too because now I've had personal interactions with people like, you know, John Carroll and Sunday and, and your opinions get swayed because the game's very different. Um Oh, yeah. Can I get back to you? <laughs> sure. Uh, you can, or you can also do the very American answer of pleading the fifth, which means nothing to us Australians, but of course, you know, uh, you can if you want. Uh, your favourite season of American Survivor? Or is that just as hard? <laughs> uh, there's, there's been a couple. I did love Second Chance. Um, I think that brought out the best of players we hadn't seen the depth of prior. Um, so I really enjoyed watching that one. Um Oh, do you know what? A lot of the returning seasons, mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the time where people have had the foundation and the groundwork in an original season, they get the chance to come back and they play bigger and better, and it's more exciting and more dynamic. Um, yeah, that's where I see a lot of the fun. Yeah, good good answer. Uh, who do you keep in touch with most from your season? Oh, most or oh. gee, um, Pete. Phoebe, Flick, um, oh, see, there's a lot. Um, it depends social media or, or whether it's in person. But, um, yeah, look, Lee, Elle, Sue, um, I spoke, had a conversation with Matt today. So it's just lots of little bits of, yeah, lots of people. Um, look, And especially since Ayla was in hospital, every single other contestant in my season sent, a, um, this was off the back of Evan... Um, creating it, but um, every single other contestant sent me a video message when we were in hospital and when we needed that support and that outreach, the Survivor family was there. So there are 23 people there that I would welcome with open arms and invite, you know, into my life and into my family and into our home. So um, whether I am in constant contact with them via text messages or social media or um, phone conversations, um, you know, if anyone put their hand up and said, hey, I'm coming to visit, can we catch up? The answer would be yes. Fantastic. Um, and this one, you sort of, we, we did touch on, but I mean, uh, Mitch kind of just adds, you're the first Australian Survivor player to be voted out on day 39, which of course is the last day of American Survivor. Did this feeling cross your mind when you were voted out? <laughs> uh, too much. <laughs> <laughs> and has been constantly stirred up ever since. <laughs> Well, you, should, you can sell that. I think that's a positive. You know, you can go to America, for example, and just be like, yeah, I made it to day 39 on Survivor. And I'm like, wow, you were like the runner-up. Did you win? Like, and you could just be like, well, you know, I had my name read out at Final Tribal Council with the most votes. So, you know. <laughs> we did We did have a laugh about it when Adam was out here visiting. And, and yeah, we were both saying we both got the most number of votes on day 39. So, we have this connection. So. Yep. Yeah, it's something that will constantly haunt me, but it's something that I'll always laugh about. <laughs> positive spin on it, positive spin on it. Uh, back to the male-female favourites, do you have an answer or do you want to plead the fifth? Oh, I think I'm going to plead on that one. I did Go say 
Yeah, go, going into our season, there were people that I sort of likened myself to want to play like. Um, but, I, yeah, I just have to say that, especially now coming through the other side of the game, I think about them all differently. I think about the elements of their game that I respect as opposed to just my favourite people. So um, there are too many. I can't narrow it down to two. Good answer. All right, Matt, this is where I said you'd be a good politician. Uh, Matt, uh, another Matt, this isn't Matt from Survivor, Matt. This is, a, I mean, it could be, but it could just be different. I don't know. Matt says, <laughs> uh, K- Kylie, what was it like meeting Adam from Millennials vs Gen X when he visited Australia this year? Uh, what was it like meeting an American Survivor player and have you met any other previously or was he your first? It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, look, to have that opportunity, like I said, it's this bizarre, it's almost like it runs in your blood now and you're welcomed into the hearts and the homes of anyone else who has had this same experience as you. And it was really interesting the first time we actually met in person because we sat down to dinner and it was like catching up with a friend that you've known your entire life. Uh, and it's bizarre and it's hard to find the words to actually, um, I suppose, completely shape what that feels like or what that can mean. Uh, but, yeah, when you're meeting someone from another country at a restaurant, you've never been to this restaurant before and you've never actually seen this person in real life before uh, and yet you, you sit there hours later feeling like it's been 10 minutes, you've laughed the entire time uh, and it's almost disappointing when the waiters are, are, are trying to usher you out of the restaurant <laughs> you have to leave. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. And, you know, in our season at our um, <laughs> at our merge, we, we had an auction and you didn't see it on the episode, but I actually won a meat pie and tomato sauce and it was something Adam had never tried in his life. It's just we don't. Like, if they have a meat pie, it's a big family pie. They, they, they don't know. You, you try explaining what that is to an Australian, to an American. They're like, a what? What's that? Like, a, a, a you know, a mince pie? <laughs> so, yeah, one of my favourite moments was introducing Adam to travellers and uh, actually getting meat pies and eating them in the car while we were driving somewhere. So, um, you have to take him to a football match. You've got to do the quintessential Aussie, you know, pie, can of Coke, tomato sauce at the footy, and then it's like you are an Australian right now, Adam. Oh, absolutely. If there had been any good games on, I would have done that. But, you know, Fitzroy's not playing anymore. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you're, you're a Melbourne girl, so is Fitzroy was your team? Do you have a team now? Do you just go for Brisbane now? or? Yeah, it's a hard one. My dad was Essendon when I was little, so there's a little bit of that inkling there. But my husband has coerced my kids to side with him and go for Essendon. So I kind of have to, oh. you know... You know, I can't. I, ha- I have to counterbalance that somehow. So my heart will, uh, yeah, have to stay with the lions. <laughs> yeah, no. Look, I think you're you're much safer raising your children as lion supporters. You don't want the mess it in. Come on. Uh- <laughs> I'm a Carlton supporter, Kylie. So anyway, um, thank you, Matt, for that question. Now, Miranda, uh, what was your favourite challenge that you didn't take part in, Kylie, on your season? Uh, she's got a lot of challenge-based questions here. What was your favourite and least favourite challenge that you took part in in your season? And what was your favourite challenge in American Survivor? Again, multiple questions there. So we'll start off with what was your favourite challenge that you didn't take part in on your season? Wow. Um, yeah, there, I was exceptionally jealous of the one that ended up winning the, the waterfall breakfast experience, which was the one with the, the turn around the pole, kind of dizzy, and then walk across a balance beam. Um, it just looked like amazing fun, and it was one that I think I would have smashed. Good answer. Uh, that, that, was, that was one that I didn't participate in in my time in the game. There was so many of them after I'd been kicked out that I saw that I was just like, <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> what was the, what was the favourite one that you did take part in? 
Oh, oh God, I, I loved so many. <laughs> I, I loved the pole hugging one because I, wanted I hated that challenge, by the way. I was so sick. <laughs> um, I actually, as much as I hated the reward that came from it in the end, one of the challenges I loved was the one that I um, had to walk across the poles um, that won us that, you know, pick your own tribe kind of reward. So that was actually an amazing challenge, but, yeah, not a great reward. So that kind of taints that experience. Um, the basketball one where we were throwing coconuts into the basketball. That was a fun one. That was just so much fun. And, you know, we actually, I think all of us lost ourselves in the moment of that game just with camaraderie and high fives and enjoying the moment. So that had fun. Um, the basketball was rough and it was violent and people you know there was blood and there was uh it was intense and it was extreme and it was just awesome and i could just keep going you know the block building one was fantastic the one with the water slide was amazing. So, so all of them basically uh. <laughs> i went out to survivor to do the challenge <laughs> um, <laughs> look i think um i think the guys last year and even more so, I think they've stepped it up this year. I think oh, for sure, yeah. A, a, an incredible job of setting up what these challenges are, and um, yeah, just, I, I can't say a bad word about it. The only one I hated was the pull your weight one, um, just because I felt like it was it was never going to be an even challenge from the get-go, so it was kind of like fighting a losing battle. But um, even then, you know, we still had fun. <laughs> that's, a, that's the main thing. Now, Miranda, she had her question there too. I mean, again, it's, it's a wide-ranging question because there's so many, but do you, do you have a favourite challenge from the American Survivor that maybe just comes pops to your head straight away? Well, look, I love any of the team ones, any of the team ones that have, you know, big, big climbing, weaving, challenging, working together, teamwork kind of ones I just adore. Um, but then again, I look at um, the one that always springs to mind for me, our pole hugging challenge, we had ropes to hold on to. Recent seasons of their Survivor has actually channels cut out of the pole to actually grip into. Um, and not that I love the idea of what these challenges are but there's a part of me that would almost want to prove that i could do that too so um mm. <laughs> there's a part of me that would like to try that challenge so i hope that answers your question i think it does thanks miranda for that uh sally says so ak and mark the lime farmer are clearly coming back for a possible all stars nobody else pre-merge is going to come even close it will depend who goes out in the next two votes but are these two locks? Which three names are locks for All-Stars so far voted out on this season? Interesting there that she put Mark the Lime Farmer. Is that, I'm guessing, is that Tarzan? Mark, I'm guessing? Was Mark alive? Okay, I just, I didn't know, because Mark was the army guy. Sorry, we all know him as Tarzan now. So I was kind of confused there thinking, army guy Mark, really? No, nope, it's Tarzan, got it. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is an interesting one because your picks are going to be based on your opinions of who you like to watch, mm. where production picks are going to be based on um, fitting character profiles so that they have enough people who aren't going to get along to create great drama for TV. So while we sit back and say, you know, um, you know, we love to watch Tarzan because he is just a gorgeous person with an amazing heart and good soul uh, and he's phenomenal in challenges, that's great. But if that's not what production is looking for to find the fit to fill their profile for the entire cast, who knows who they're going to pick. Uh, but if you're asking you know, who, I, who I think adds viewer value, whew, is it just out of people that have been kicked out so far? or is I it... think, yeah, that was just on who we've had voted out so far. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, look, I reckon you can't go past 
Um, AK, I do love Tarzan. I, I I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve and I like people who own their heart as well, so I'd have to vote for Tarzan. Um, I don't think we got to see who Joan was. Maybe it would be interesting to see where, um, you know, her outwit side of her, her game was going to be. Not sure. Um, Jackie tended to or seemed to rub people up the wrong way a little bit and she had a lot to offer on the physical sense of the game. Maybe that could be a pick on the female side of things. I think Amy was just rough and raw and lots of fun. So, um, you know, as far as... Uh, viewer potential goes. I think a lot of people would love to watch her do a bit more. Um, you know, Mark without Sam might be a completely different player. Sam True. without Mark could be interesting too. Yeah, good answers. I, I mean, I, I revolve all for Amy. I miss Amy. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Tarzan definitely. But yeah, no, yeah, all very good ways of thinking about that actually. Um, so thank you for that question. Now, Craig, like, I thought actually for a moment there, I thought we'd repeated this question in terms of we had asked this one last week, but, uh, I realized that he sent this one on Sunday before last night's episode. So Craig says, no, we lost AK, but after losing Phoebe and Craig last season, so close to the merge, this was expected. The trend of big players going out just before the merge in Australian Survivor continues, especially in a 55 day game. Does this mean we can expect players like Adet, Peter, Ben, and Jared to stick around for a long time since all their edits picked up this episode? Well, Clearly, Ben's gone. Uh, but, I mean, I guess Adette, Peter, Jared, I mean, we, I think we kind of really answered that question earlier on. So, I don't really know if there's much to add on that. Um, and then Craig adds, are players who lay low in Australian Survivor most likely to make merge and go far over players who make big moves and are more open about their gameplay? I, I necessarily wouldn't think that's just an Australian. That's just a Survivor thing in general, isn't it? I think that's thing, And that's where we see people like Sarah playing such a smart game because... You know, you stick your neck up, your, your chances are it's going to get cut off. So, um, you know, you've either got to back yourself and go like a bull at a gate uh, and hope you've got the momentum to carry the numbers through with you or you've got to find a way to fit in that grey zone and fly under the radar because this game is about not just the outplay and outwit, you've got to outlast as well. So as much as some people tend to criticise and condemn people who who find their fit to be in the numbers to get further, hey, that strategy that can potentially win you half a million dollars. So whether I agree with it or not, it's definitely uh, a way that this game is played. For sure, absolutely. A couple more here to go. Um, now, Paul Dutch. Paul's got a question for me, which I'll answer at the end. But then he adds, uh, my Kylie question, have you reunited with other tribe mate Bianca since her exit and have you met Des? Yes and yes. Perfect. <laughs> Bianca's awesome. She is so passionate about this game. Um, it would have been really interesting to see her go further in this game and to see her strategy mind come out to play um, to get an idea of how she might have found her fit to play in with the numbers. I think as a viewer, that would have been fantastic to watch. Um, I think it's a shame not to have had the opportunity to meet Des in the game uh, <laughs> because I don't think I could have managed him at tribe on that initial tribe. So, but I think if, if they had kept Des around a bit longer uh, and more of his capabilities came out rather than his Kung Fu Panda side, um, I think he would have been a great asset to have around camp and he just would have brought such good humour and fun and good energy that, you know, that could have been a point of difference. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely love Des to bits. Thanks, Paul. I'll get to your other question at the end. Uh, Layla says, again, you've 
we've touched on the first part of this, but there's a slight little change here in it, which I think works out well here. Uh, she says, Kylie, what did you think of Ben versus Michelle Tribal Council? Obviously, we talked about that. If you were on this tribe, who would have you sided with? It reminded me of your big Tribal Council last season with Flick versus Connor and Connor switching tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look, this time I definitely, well, based on the information that I have, I think that I would have preferred to keep Ben over Michelle. Um, but that's also, that fits in more with the nature of the type of game that I would have played as opposed to the games that these people are playing. So, um, yeah, I would have definitely kept Ben over Michelle. Yeah, I think think when the tribe swap happened, it very much was more aligned with last year when Connor went as opposed to last night's tribal council. Interesting. Thank you, Layla. Uh, now, final one, Rachel Harper. Again, it's more directed at me, so I'll, I'll answer those ones separately at the, at the end there, Rachel. So we haven't forgotten about you, but I'll get to that. Uh, Kylie, I will say with you, though, this has obviously been a, a lot of fun. I'm so glad that we could get this done and kind of our weird connection there through uh, through John that kind of began right before this season started. So uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I obviously uh, wish you the best with everything going on uh, with your daughter. I mean, before we let you go, is there anything here that you want to plug? Do you have any social media, anything going on that you want to kind of give a shout out at the moment uh, you know i can give the floor to you right now and uh as long as it doesn't get me into trouble you're welcome to say whatever you want to say <laughs> there's always things going on at the moment and obviously i'm um, using any platform that i have to help charities is great so um we've just run through a few but i've got three more coming up in the near future so um keep your eye out obviously for the eureka tower climb coming up in november um as firefighters we do it in our full turnout kit with the breathing apparatus on that's up 88 flights of stairs so it is worth reaching out and sponsoring us for that effort we don't how long do does it that take you to do that how long does it take you to climb 88 in your in your full get up well my team's a little bit crazy we do it two times so we do it once in <laughs> here first to try and push the time wow. and our aim is to get it in under 12 minutes if we can 12 uh, minutes that is that takes me 12 hours in just like shorts and a t-shirt to do that <laughs> 15 minutes i'm happy to be honest <laughs> Um, and then turnout kit, yeah, look, the goal for turnout kit is 20 minutes, but, yeah, look, it's usually closer to 30 minutes. So wow. it's it's a massive effort, but um, White Line and Interplast are the charities that we support. So uh, if you get the opportunity to have a look at that, it is fantastic. Or get involved. If you're in Melbourne, that one's open to the public. You can get involved and then start to create your own sponsorship and, and raise some money for some good charities. That's a great one. Uh, I'm also a part of the One Step at a Time team. Uh, so there's a big walk coming up to support the Kathy Freeman Foundation and education for Indigenous children. And um, we're going to be walking from Walhalla to Canberra. It's a long way and a long time. And the aim is to raise $10,000 for the Kathy Freeman Foundation. So if you can get on the website, have a look at what we're all about. All the sponsorship links are there. One step at a time for Kathy Freeman. Uh, and that's in October. We kick off on the 9th of October. Um, and one last one. Obviously, this one's really close to my heart. But the Monash Children's Hospital are, are the group that helped to save my little Ayla's life. Um, so I've been coerced to be involved in, oh, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm involved in the firefighters calendar. So 28, oh, right. the calendar we're thinking of here, Kylie, or, <laughs> um, so you do get something for your money this time, but, uh, <laughs> the launch will be on the 6th of October. Uh, I am more than happy to send a signed copy just for a laugh. 
Um, but yeah, get behind that Victorian firefighter calendar. All the proceeds, hundred percent. It's not for profit. All the proceeds go to the Monash Children's Hospital. Um, and I can't say enough for the the people and the facilities there and what they do. And you know, look, obviously, my daughter's living proof of how good they are. And they're constantly uh, in need of equipment and funds. So if we can help create something to help them, then you know what, I'll put myself out there for it. It's. Uh, might be good for a laugh, who knows? But what, what month are you? What what can we call you? What month do you know? It's October, so we'll find out then. Wow, we're, we're, we're definitely looking forward to that. Kylie, it has been a lot of fun and uh, we really do appreciate your time. As I said, best of luck with all of those events and with everything also, of course, as I mentioned with your daughter. And we'll definitely do this again sometime and uh, I'll make sure next time in Melbourne you can make sure that I can run up the Eureka Tower just as for fun because, you know, why not? Fantastic. I'll hold you to that. Actually, um, all of the survivors that come and visit from overseas uh, get coerced into coming and doing um, my group fitness class. So I'll put that to you then. You can come and participate in my aerobics class uh, or we'll get you up the stairs. But thanks Both. for this opportunity. It's great to have a chat. And, uh, yeah, always, always fun to talk all things Survivor. And a massive thank you goes out to Kylie there for another fun chat. Always good to get uh, the Australian Survivor people, on, particularly obviously ones that we've never had on the on the show before. Uh, as obviously I mentioned there, given that we weren't really covering it at the end of last year and we kind of had a bit of break uh, not really an opportunity to talk to a lot of these guys. So we've still got a few lined up, of course, in the coming weeks. Yes, Craig will be one of those people. And obviously uh, a few of the other ones from uh, Season 3, last season. And, of course, the OG, the original Season 1. So um, I'll touch on that a little bit uh uh, shortly, because I want to get to these questions. We obviously had a few separate uh, questions sent in to us that were more directed at me. And, of course, also there's uh, something, obviously, that happened during the week, a whole situation with AK that I want to address, which I'll get to in a moment too. But I'll just uh, briefly touch on these questions. So Anna, as I mentioned before, Anna asked uh, the question, with New Zealand Survivor back for Season 2, will you be getting Barb or Tom on the podcast anytime soon? Please get Amy back on. Doesn't she live in New Zealand now? I heard, haven't heard from her in years, Ben, on the podcast. Um, first of all, yes, if you didn't hear the news during the week, uh, Survivor in New Zealand has obviously been renewed for a second season they're actually asking for applicants so if you are in new zealand and you're a survivor fan uh make sure you apply because you could be on season two um now in terms of getting actual new zealand survivor contestants on the show um barb is one that we have spoken with um but barb doesn't necessarily want to do many interviews at the moment so um if we can make that happen uh and we feel that it might happen we will definitely, uh, obviously, promote that. And I will say, actually, last week when I did tease at the end of our Des interview that we might have someone on the show a bit different, that was Barb. We were in discussions with her at the time. So, um, at the moment, it will be a no, but uh, as anybody knows me and kind of the history of this show, we don't give up easily. So, um, stay tuned. Uh, Tom, anyone else? Look, we haven't really thought about it. Um, obviously, we'd love to get Arvi on the show for, for reasons there. Um, Sala, I'm a big Sala fan. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not these guys are tuning into the Australian Survivor. Uh, Australian Survivor actually started in New Zealand only basically within the last week. So, um, you know, for, for ones who, of course, 
are watching, you know, through other methods besides it airing in New Zealand. Um, you know, they're definitely ones that we'd be interested in, but some of them might only be watching along as it's airing right now, so they might be a little bit behind. So, uh, we, we would love to, Anna. Stay tuned. Uh, it's not something that's kind of a high on our agenda that we're definitely going to 100% aim for. Obviously, our focus, as I mentioned before, is currently on the Australian guys, but uh, if we can make it happen, we will make it happen for sure. Uh, and as for Amy, yes, Amy does live in New Zealand, um, and for sure, she's definitely somebody who uh, I would gladly get back on the show in a heartbeat. Um, we might look at her for the US one again. Not too sure if she's still watching the show, though. It makes it difficult given that we kind of only get Survivor contestants on now for recaps. We don't necessarily do separate interviews unless it's for something a little bit different. Um, so if she's watching along, we'll have a chat with her to see if she is. But I'm going to assume being in New Zealand, she might not, given that they don't air the US Survivor in New Zealand. But um, for sure, we'll uh, see what we can do with that one. So, Anna, thank you very much for your question. Uh, now, Rachel Harper's question here for me, uh, she asks, if you are taking requests for season 35 of US Survivor now that season starts in a few weeks, can I request Sandra and Courtney to recap an episode together? Uh, great idea, for sure. We would love to. Courtney's always been one that, obviously, we did an interview with several years ago, and we have reached out to her to try and get her back on the show, but she was always kind of one that was hard to knuckle down. So, if we could make that happen, in a heartbeat, we would do that one, of course. Um, but Sandra, probably a lot more likely, uh, given that... Um, you know, obviously uh, hung out with her a bit in America and we had her on for uh interview in the lead up to Reality for Diabetes and always, Sandra's always gold. You know, we're always going to try and get her on the show. So, um yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on for that one. Obviously, I will mention with season 35, the cast obviously has been released in the last week. And we are planning on doing a preview episode at some point. We're not sure particularly when. Uh, we want to try and get Noah involved now that Noah's back. So just watch this space because we haven't actually done a preview episode uh, since Co Wrong. Uh, we didn't do one for Millennials Gen X, of course, or Game Changers. So, um, yeah, it's been a while between drinks that uh, we've done a, a preview episode. Landed us in hot water in the past, but uh, we obviously enjoy doing them. Um, and now Rachel continues. Uh, I'm getting here, Rachel. Uh, as another listener had suggested in a previous episode, put Des and Sari on together, but you might need to throw in Craig. He's a bigger fan, and he would be heartbroken not to be included. Again, as I mentioned last week with Des. Would love to make it happen. Sari, similar to Courtney, always a tough one to knuckle down. We've succeeded a little bit more with Sari over the years, of course. I think we've had her on at least three times over the years. Um, and again, another person I was lucky enough to spend a bit of time with in the US recently. So um, we'll try my best and uh, we'll definitely take that request on board. Uh, Rachel's got a lot of requests here. Flick plus JJ plus Benry would be a fantastic threesome to put on a recap for season 35. Absolutely agree. My focus right now is to just get Flick on solo. So we're hopefully got her lined up for a few weeks time. Uh, I'm a huge Flick fan. So uh, for sure. And Benry, um, basically Benry, if anybody remembers that reference from Survivor Oz. Uh, we had him on for a recap a few seasons ago from memory as well as his interviews. So absolutely, we can try and get Benry. Uh, and Rachel then adds, hope you like my suggestions, Ben Waterworth, or have I requested rubbish ideas? No, Rachel, you have not requested rubbish ideas. You've requested fantastic ones. And thank you for using my full name in the last sentence there. I much appreciate it. Uh, so yes, thank you, Rachel. Now, Paul Dutch, let's get back to Paul's question. 
question. This one is a bit of a topical one. I think this kind of relates into our AK situation. So, uh, obviously, just to to elaborate here, um, if you're wondering kind of what I might be referring to, you maybe haven't paid attention to our social media or kind of have been wondering why we haven't had AK on the show this week, or you obviously heard me mention at the end of our Ben uh, exit interview today. Um, just to fill people in, uh, sadly, we didn't do an exit interview with AK because uh, we were informed by Channel 10 that AK had requested not to speak with me. Uh, this was based on apparently something that I said on the show. Um, wasn't elaborated on. Uh, kind of confused me because I have been nothing but complimentary to AK. I'm a huge AK fan. So, um, obviously... I had some suspicions around what it might have been, also maybe relatable to perhaps might have been offended by some of the things I was saying about Luke and calling Luke a dickhead. Um, Again, that was all in good fun. That was not done in any sort of insulting way. Um, But obviously, I'm going to address that kind of into a further matter in just a second. Uh, Did reach out to AK through Instagram and Facebook uh, and also on Twitter. Um, Sadly, no response from AK, so not kind of sure what the deal is there. But Paul's question kind of ties into this, and it does sort of relate to a little bit of what I said in a separate context last week, and there's sort of a more of a story here in regards to this. So again, just bear with me as I read this question out. Uh, Paul asks, Ben, I hope you make up with Ryan and Adam soon. I think your AK refusal for an interview was in regards to the comment you said on air about other podcasts and blocking them. AK may have been refusing in protest because he is friends with Ryan, I think. I'm probably wrong, mate, but I hope your reputation isn't ruined now. Don't bring this up with Kylie's questions and leave it to the end after she's gone if you answer it. I'm only speculating, mate. I hope you don't fall into the same trap as the world's apart drama. All the best. Bit of context obviously needs to be taken into consideration with this question because obviously uh, if you missed last week's uh, episode, our recap with Dez, I did kind of touch on this slightly at the end of the episode uh, in regards to my comment in relation to um, podcasts, particularly one podcast, believing they're a little bit bigger than Survivor and kind of just my comments in related to the fan community. Uh, and I guess there's no hiding behind the fact that uh, my, that was a direct reference to uh, the show Australian Survivor Community, hosted by Ryan Brink. Um, and uh, for those who maybe aren't aware of the association, Ryan obviously used to be a former Auslet on Survivor Oz um, and obviously has gone through to start his own show. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics as to why uh, there maybe is issues related to himself and me. That um, is another. That's another story for another day. Um, and as for Adam, look, I I have never met Adam in my life. I don't even know Adam. I have come across him a couple of times on social media. Uh, it came to my attention this week that apparently I had blocked him and another Survivor blogger who I have no idea who she was. Uh, a fact that I was then called out upon publicly on social media by Adam, who tried to make light of the fact. Um, in all honesty, if I have blocked them through the the time that I have, it's no doubt done because of connection through to Ryan, uh, somebody who I have blocked on social media and somebody who will remain blocked on social media. Again, I'm not getting involved into that situation on air. Um, but I have, I unblocked Adam. I unblocked this other blogger who, again, I don't even know who she is. 
Uh, and that was just jest on my part and childish on my behalf, and I shouldn't have done it. So I've, I've rectified that. Again, I've never spoken to Adam, so I don't even know who the guy is. I think he lives in Tasmania. I don't listen to the show. I have no plans of listening to the show. Uh, obviously, people who are listening to our show and listen to his show will know more than I do, uh, but I'll just leave it at that. In relation to the comment here, Paul, about maybe that was why it's AK's refusal, based on what I said, look, uh, I again, that that is a possibility. Uh, as I kind of said before, having my suspicions uh, in relation to why he did it, and I'm not going to lie, as soon as I got that message saying that he had refused to, that kind of was my first assumption that it did have something related to Ryan and the Australian Survivor Community Podcast. Uh, I have been informed that Ryan has posted pictures with AK and has some sort of connection with him. And it's a sad fact that that should be my first assumption because I would much rather AK openly come out and say, I was offended with what you said about Luke. I don't want to associate myself with a show who says stupid things and offensive remarks. Uh, look, as, as weird as that might sound, I can then at least come on air and apologize if I have offended anybody with that and own up to my comments. Something that I've done in the past, obviously, with our Worlds Apart uh, issues that we had a few seasons ago on Survivor Oz. Um, that is something that has been sorted out, again, owned the situation and something that clearly, you know, we were happy to address on air to sort the issue out. Obviously, at the time, we didn't do that very correctly, but we have since rectified that situation. Everything is fine. So having said that, that is why I did reach out to AK to kind of just ask what allegedly it was that I said that did offend him or made it so he didn't want to come on the show. Because even, I will say, Channel 10 publicity were baffled. Why? He would refuse to do the show. They even said to me, we looked into your show and we can't find anything that you said that would have offended him. So that is why, again, I reached out to AK to try and rectify this situation because it's not our goal here on the show to ever offend anyone, to ever come out here and and make make rivals or do any sort of thing like this. As I mentioned last week and kind of what maybe this is relating to and what I said we are fans of Survivor. We are nothing more than fans of Survivor who have an outlet here to be able to talk to you about this, the listener. We have been doing this now for nearly six years. It has become a part of my life, a passion of my life. I have made great friendships out of this, and it has really been a joy to be able to produce this content to be able to bring there. Along the way, of course, there are going to be challenges and people that maybe you have certain uh, issues with. You know, I'm not a perfect person. I, I know I can be difficult to deal with, and therefore, I'm going to create people along the way who don't necessarily like me. We've dealt with that on air. We've maybe dealt with that not in a pleasant way in the past, but again, we own our mistakes. I'm not going to come out here and say that I'm perfect. I've done no wrong in anything over the years. The point, though, that kind of seems interesting with this situation, to be told that a person has refused to do an interview with you based on something you said and then not come out and told you what this is while you try and clear this up, that just to me really is is an interesting way of going about it. With our Worlds Apart situation, we said the wrong thing, we owned up to it, we contacted the person involved in Mike Holloway, we solved this issue, I've solved this issue multiple times with Mike and having meetings with him in person, I've shared a beer with him, I've shared a laugh with him, and Mike has said to me he's open to come on the show in the future. All sorted. If we have an issue with somebody, or somebody has an issue with us, we'd much rather this be solved rather than going on with childish high school sort of animosity that really has no point in the world. Again, we are fans of survivor who have a platform to talk about it. If I get one person listening to this episode, I'm happy. I would love to come into this 
and make this my career. I'm not going to deny that. Of course, I would love to come here and have this as my actual paying job. The fact of the matter is, this isn't my paying job. This is a passion that I love. I love producing podcasts. It's not just Survivor. I mean, I do like 712 podcasts a week for the pure joy of it. And both my listeners in Shedmeister and Catherine like listening to it, apparently, for whatever reasons they know. And I don't come into this planning on creating enemies or planning on creating people who want to come out and say, no, I won't do an interview with you based on something you said. Again, Everything that I say on this show is either done at a point where maybe I'm overthinking things or I'm trying too hard to be funny. I do put my foot in my mouth sometimes and for sure I own up to my mistakes. And again, to AK, if you listen to this, please, I have reached out to you. I would love to know what it is that I have allegedly said that has offended you just to sort this issue out. Whether that leads to you appearing on this show or not, that is entirely up to you. The fact of the matter is, if this does have any involvement to do with Ryan and this comment here that you were saying, Paul, and the fact that uh, he's siding with Ryan because he's friends with him, um, there's no other way to say this. I mean, that to me just speaks volumes for my comment last week. You know, again, we're not here to, to be above the show or anything or be childish, but if you've got someone who is trying to deliberately sabotage another person appearing on your show for the pure sake of an ego boost or to try and live up to claims of all the the things that are put out there online of to what the Australian Survivor podcast is, then I don't really need to comment too much more on what I just said because I think that to me speaks louder volumes for, for Ryan as a person and as a podcaster than it does for anything that I may or may not have said on this show. So... It's frustrating as an individual, obviously, to get that refusal from a person and not have that outlet to try and sort out the issue. Now, I'm sure I'm going to get comments of things that I've said for calling out Ryan individually, uh, and that's fair enough. That is up to a person to kind of to comment and negative comments, whatever. I've said my piece. Uh, is there groundwork there, as you mentioned here, Paul, to make up with Ryan and Adam? Adam, again, I don't know the guy. I have nothing against Adam. I've never listened to any episodes he's ever produced. I wouldn't even have a clue what he sounds like. Apparently, he lives in Tasmania, I think. Great. Uh, There's 500,000 people in Tasmania. I know we're small, but we don't know each other. So, I've got nothing to make up with Ryan with, uh, with Adam with, sorry, because I don't know the guy. I've never had a conversation with the guy, and the only time I've ever been mentioned by the guy is when he called me out for having him blocked, and I've just owned up to that. I've apologized for that something that I can clearly move on. I'm going to say this. There's no groundwork for me to make up with Ryan. I'm sorry, but there isn't. Uh, Again, it is an issue that is a lot more complex and complicated than simply somebody sending a message saying that you should make up with each other. I know Ryan is going to come out and say things differently. He did come out and say things differently. Uh, I've been shown what he replied to in the comment that Des came out throughout the week. And uh, in terms of what Ryan comments with that, well, look, you know, that's the facade that he wants to put out there in terms of uh, what's happened. Good for Ryan. Uh, I have no I have no desire to make up with him over what's happened. I think the hole is dug too deeply. What his actions led to through him being involved in our show to where he's at right now, there's too much that has happened for that to ever be solved. And I'm sorry to say, but I just have no desire to fix it, particularly if this is true. Uh, and essentially now he's going behind other shows back to claim ownership over cast members and make them refuse to do a show based on whatever reasons he sees fit. Then again, 
speaks volumes for Ryan and it speaks volumes for his show. So he's got a very popular show. He's obviously got a large following. Um, good for him. But uh, other than that, I have no desire in terms of, of rectifying the situation because I think at the end of the day, I've probably said too much here. My comments probably come across sounding in a certain light which, again, no doubt people are going to comment towards me, towards, and that's fair enough, that's your opinion. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, I've said what I have need to say, and I think that uh, we'll let this sit where it is and um, move forward from there. So, Paul, I hope that's kind of answered and elaborated a little bit on this, and, um, you know, I hope that the context of what I've said uh, can be taken to what it is. I have nothing against anybody who's involved with Ryan's show who is working with him and is producing content. Again, we're all Survivor fans of this show. We should all be in this together. There shouldn't be any of this involved. Um, and I think that it is it is very high school for the fact that uh, if that is true, what Paul said, uh, that to be a case. And again, I stand to be corrected. I, I definitely stand to be corrected on this. I've had a question sent in to me. I was going to address this situation with AK, uh, whether or not this question was sent in to me. And no, this is not something that I've just sent in to myself to, you know, try and get me to talk about this. Um, and I, I, I really do hope to be stand to be corrected. Again, the, the door is open there, AK, for you to reach out to me and to simply live up to what you've claimed. And again, I'm happy to own it. If again, it is a simple case of me, uh, offending you with a comment and jokingly calling Luke a dickhead or something along those lines, by all means, let me know. I can come on air. I can put out an apology and we can try and move past it. But, I think the fact that uh, there te- tends to be a bit of silence around this matter, um, you know, that probably speaks for itself in terms of some aspects of this. Anyway, Paul, thank you for your question. Uh, hopefully, I've addressed that to the best of my abilities. And again, as I said, we'll just let that sit and we'll see what happens Um moving forward. And moving forward, we're obviously going to have more Australian Survivor content coming your way next week. Exit interviews, as always, if people want to speak to us. Uh, Stay tuned to our social media and you can get involved. Our Ben exit interview, of course, is up online. And I didn't get a chance to mention this to Kylie, but uh, thoroughly recommend listening to it. And it's just not just me plugging it. Um, Ben really tells more in the first five minutes of this exit interview about his game than we got to see at all in all 13 episodes. So that alone, I think, sells it. And that's kind of what we wanted to do when it came to Survivor Oz, was, you know, show a lot of these people's games outside of the big names. You know, some of our best interviews came from the the first, second, third boots who you didn't get to see a lot of. And I think Ben really is going to be a huge interview in the future in terms of really selling his game. So... He's definitely somebody who I'd love to get on for a full recap in the future so we can talk more about his game because I think there's a lot more to Ben. So, 10 minutes worth of that exit interview. Might not sound a lot, but um, it is definitely something that... Uh, some An episode that I, I thoroughly recommend you listening to. Uh, a recap of next week. Nobody set in stone just yet. Obviously, Craig just around the corner for all of those who keep asking about Craig. But uh, we, we are looking at a, still a few of the OG Season 1 people, the Channel 9 version. We've got at least three people there potentially lined up. So, stay tuned for that. We might have one as soon as next week. So, uh, any fans of the original Season 1... Um, by all means, stay tuned for that and get your questions in for them. Um, and yeah, we will, we will obviously update you. As I said, uh, we usually, usually put that out on the weekend. We say, get your questions in for so and so, and you can get them in 
we are on social media by me saying that, of course, uh, the Oz Network. Search for us on Facebook and like our page. You can follow us on Twitter as well, the Oz Network. Uh, if you've got anything you want to reach out to us and comment on, uh, we pretty much comment to everybody back. You know, we're, we're, we're here. We love hearing from you guys. Um, and the easiest way, of course, to listen to our show is by subscribing to us. Uh, iTunes, best platform, of course, to use if you're an Apple user or just like using iTunes. We're obviously available on Spotify, on Stitcher, and uh, easiest ways to get there. If you just don't use any of those services and you just use the RSS feed, of course, you can find that on our website, which is yoznetwork.net, or on our Facebook page, as I mentioned, too. And if you're a fan of other things besides Survivor, we, of course, do other movies and TV shows. We've got so much content coming out of our ears, it's not funny. Our third watch and Nip Tuck recaps are obviously continuing uh, weekly. We have some great movie ones coming out. We're in the process of getting ready to release our Titanic episode, and I mean the movie Titanic. It's a Titanic, Titanic episode, um, which, let's just say, I love Titanic. Colin hates Titanic. So it's kind of a very interesting episode, but it's actually quite a funny one. So look out for that one. Hopefully by the end of the week that will be up as we continue we'll begin anniversary month September is as we're looking at four films celebrating a variety of anniversaries. Titanic obviously 20th anniversary this year of Titanic and we'll be looking at Face Off celebrating 20 years of Face Off 25 years of White Men Can't Jump and 30 years of Dirty Dancing. A film that I still haven't seen because I haven't watched it yet for the recap and um... Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to uh, follow up on that one. But, of course, we have other months coming your way, as I keep teasing at the end of these. We have DC month coming up in the anticipation of the Justice League movie. We've got Star Wars month in anticipation of The Last Jedi. And then, of course, we have a whole bunch of Christmas stuff coming your way in the lead-up to Christmas, because why wouldn't we get on that bandwagon? And we also have uh, another show, another TV rewatch that we're going to do once Australian Survivor concludes. So stay tuned for that. And also, so, obviously, US Survivor, uh, what is it, Heroes, Hustlers, and Healers, or whatever it's called. Uh, that is, you can tell I'm a huge fan of the title. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we'll be doing a preview episode of that at some point, and uh, weekly recaps of that coming your way during the US season, as per usual. And we'll have a whole variety of US guests to join us, and hopefully a bunch of new guys that, uh, obviously, we really haven't followed up on. You know, we mentioned Adam a fair bit throughout this episode, uh, given that uh, he was in Australia recently. I met Adam briefly when I was in Los Angeles. Super nice guy. And uh, given that we really had no coverage during Koronga Millennials Gen X, and really haven't had any of them on the show. So we'll obviously look at getting someone like Adam on the show. And I know we had the request last week for Debbie. And we'll see what we can do. We always like to try our hand out there to see who we can possibly get on the show. You have listened to me waffle on here for about 25 minutes at the end of Kylie's interview and I'm sure you are probably thinking oh my god shut the fuck up I want to go home so I am going to end this right now once again a big thanks to Kylie for joining us and a big thanks to everybody who sent us in listener questions we'll be back next week for more Australian Survivor coverage on the Oz Network thank you for tuning in my name is Ben and we will speak to you next week Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.